everybody we have just begun BreakTheRules.tv, another Break the Rules Sewing Discourse. Welcome everybody today with the wonderful Alex Kashuda joining us, as well as Made a Nomad is in the house, in the flesh. Great of both of you guys to be here. And I am about to shill heavily because I have a whole notebook here opened up of where you have to go to find the content of these uh, wonderful people. So first off, Alex Kashuda, this is your Twitter over here. Everybody follow Alex on Twitter right now. And of course, all the new people subscribe to this show as well. I got to keep saying it. Subscribe, subscribe, and subscribe. And here we have uh, the uh, Patreon of Alex's subversive podcast, which is also named Subversive. And uh, it also kind of reminds me of a subverse from uh, Tim Pool. And he had that big uh, thing. You remember with the uh, porn company that was also oh, named Su Subverse? And it was, well, I'm not going to get into that right now. Anyway, this is Alex's Substack. I highly recommend subscribing to it. Uh, Garden of Earthly Delights. I love the title. And, of course, we have Hermetics here. Her Made a Nomad, who is the uh, owner and a beautiful curator of the Hermetics podcast, Follow Meta Nomad on Twitter. And here you go, patreon.com slash hermetics. This is where you can contribute to his podcast. And this is where you can also watch his podcast on YouTube. Wonderful guests he always has on, including uh, uh, the... Um, I always... Michael Greer. What is his first name? John Michael I Greer. John, thank you, John. How could I forget a name like John? Out of all the names, John. We have Alex you know. Cash Me Outside. No, I'm not going to make that. I've been waiting to save that joke for a long time. <laughs> yes. Well, she so, started an OnlyFans recently, so maybe we could talk about that. I don't know. Absolutely. Well, not Alex well, Cashew. No, I mean the oh, Cash Me Outside girl. Oh, my God. What am I saying? You'd, you'd know if I started an OnlyFans. So that would be quite a, quite a flip. <laughs> so, it would be uh, like our friend Toonami, who uh, started one and had videos of her washing dishes. Uh, not in the nude. It was like just... Her washing dishes. So yeah, no, you could return. You, you could return OnlyFans to a much more trad way of doing things. <laughs> I think eventually. Maybe a subversion <laughs> of expectations. Yes, um, you can pave the way. But Alex, uh, let us know how did you get started? How did you get inspired to do what you're doing today? And were you a different person earlier on and became the Alex Kashuda we all know and love today through a uh, certain experience you had? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I've definitely had uh, different stages in my life. Um, I don't know. How, how did I get started? I mean, I've, I've been writing almost continuously since I was a teenager in, in different formats and like different weird blogs, some of which have probably disappeared into the internet ether. They were under different pseudonyms. I've been a, a forum creature, uh, a shit poster, um, um, and you know, virulent atheist, uh, one of the vanguard of Romanian atheists, five of us, and probably one of the few women who are interested in, you know, making there, Jesus there was this, There's this one, I, I want to, I forget her name, but I will eternally remember her face and her curly hair. Who was the Romanian atheist girl that, that was like saying like how Ceausescu was actually good? Who is that girl? She was like a YouTuber. Christina something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's a blast from the past. Yeah. Yeah. But she was interesting because she was also in a way kind of like me. She wasn't really Romanian. I mean, she was mm. part of kind of more of the, the U.S. circles and people kind of knew of her as Romanian. But in Romania, she people didn't really talk about her. She wasn't that, you know, that famous. But yeah, yeah. it was uh, it was an interesting scene. Like anyone who was 
you know, a little bit intellectually curious, kind of glommed onto that, uh, you know, new atheist scene at one point. And that was, you know, that was what the buffet that was on offer. And obviously I was there stomping around, you know, making, <laughs> making arguments. <laughs> and the Made a Nomad, was it a similar situation for you real quick? Like as far as were you also absorbed in the new atheist uh, situation early on? Yeah, if you see the boxes in the back, my books had to be all moved here recently so if anyone wants to buy the entire works of christopher hitchens and richard dawkins i mean yeah i got caught up in it but like that was the intellectual scene for about five years like that was the bleeding edge of everything so you did get caught up with it but i think um in a beneficial way it helped a lot of people because the fact that they had no answers introduced people to the beauty of what they'd actually been denouncing and made people go back and really rereading some of that stuff uh, later date, especially Hitchens and some of Dawkins. There's no real arguments there. It's all um, ad hominem. It's basically them saying, oh, we don't really like priests or like the church, which isn't an argument against um, God. So, yeah, I was there. Um, it was fun, but it's uh, it's mm. just cringy after a certain age. Um, That's it's a shame because a, a lot of those guys were... A lot of those guys are extremely, you know, especially Hitchens, he was extremely smart. Um, Daniel Dennett, is, you know, he's a good philosopher. Um, Harris and Dawkins, not so much. But, you know, it's a bit of a waste for a lot of people, I think. But there you go. It's a very white-pilled take on the whole scene. I, I of course, was in the, uh, well, not intelligent design camp, but, I mean, I found those people more, a bit more interesting. That was such, that's such a time capsule of that era. Venom Fang X versus Amend uh, Him, where it's like... Uh, and uh, Alex, what eventually then uh, got you to where you are right now? What were some of the first uh, fits of uh, inspiration? Um, yeah, I was kind of in, in like pretty deep in the atheism plus scene when I was in college. <laughs> and I, oh I, man, I forgot about atheism plus. I thought it was such a good idea because it kind of married the, the the budding feminism I had grown in college with the obvious atheism that I was really into through my teenage years. And I was like, yeah, this is this is a new thing. Um, and then like maybe a year or so out of college, I read the blank slate and then that, that really, really red pilled me in a strange way. I know now, now it's like a, a normie tome, but uh, just to learn about the fact that, you know, there there is so such a thing as, you know, in, innate characteristics and, you know, there's such a regularity in nature uh, and that, you know, uh, quite, you know, bona fide scientists were telling you about it. That was quite a, a shocking revelation. And then I had to revise um, almost everything I learned in college, which was, you know, I, I studied diversity management, which is, you know, feminism with a thin veneer of business on top but it's literally yeah i don't know judith butler wait so diversity management that makes me think of uh like uh, required diversity courses that you uh, would have to undergo so that's that, that's what it was <laughs> i studied to be one of those people <laughs> it's interesting and but what was it that uh, okay so you got the blank slate and uh geo and uh, made a nomad would this be a book you would also recommend for people who would be transitioning away from where Alex was to where Alex is right now? Um, I never got around to the blank slate. I think I dived in with um, the 10,000 year explosion, which is like the other end of HBD and things like that. I mean, I don't know. I seem to have gone from, I think that, that idea of once you stand still, you tend to go, the other way really quickly because the whole spectrum is going straight past you everyone's heading left as soon as you stand still to question something you generally stop and can see everything moving past you so it was i can't remember any specific text i think john gray's straw dogs was a bit of a 
one of the early black pills yeah. for me as well mm. um john gray generally but then i remember him him thinking back now he doesn't take it far enough but he was accessible enough that i remember thinking like i was like a left-wing vegetarian and then i read straw dogs and like within a couple of weeks i wasn't so <laughs> not that i'd suddenly gone right wing but i remember i did stop eating meat i can't remember what my justification for that was at the time i did start eating meat sorry but yeah um but i haven't read the blank slate but there probably is some text in there that i could probably think of but i don't know about geo it was one of his it was one of his better works the blank slate um you're talking about the Steven Pinker book, right? Yeah. 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 Better Angels of Our Nature. I I was sort of tacitly interested in it at the time, but then that was, um, I feel like that is like um, a very uh, tome of a particular time period before people truly embraced like the actual realities of what it means to uh, live within a civilization in decline. But I'm curious to like hear both of your thoughts uh, about one being like the the nature of what well, hbd but human human essence and also uh i know meta your work in like things like accelerationism uh i wonder how one reconciles these things in a sort of um whether it's like ux or rx or whatever the hell right i mean mo most of them i think are pretty much like left-wingers or rather like people like Negristani, they're in like this weird, you know, gray zone of neo-rationalism. But how would one reconcile those ideas with a sort of picture of human nature that lies within a sort of a biological essence or even um, a sort of a picture of the self that is more stable than the, the sinuous fibers, as Deleuze called, of the self, so... And it's like really about the, the changing nature of subjectivity in general, I think is a fascinating topic. Um, it's really like a, a very, like even the online spaces we occupy are sort of like filled with these contradictions between an essentialism and an acceleration and, and uh, what is, uh, you know, so sorry, I'm just rambling right now. There's a lot of big, there's a lot of big words in there. Um, <laughs> If you're I'll on let about... you take this one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, that's very kind of you. Um, I mean, if you're on about what we're talking about in the blank, state in, uh, blank slate in terms of like inherent human characteristics, how that's com compatible with a, um, a society that's just accelerating and changing everyone, I think the point would be that whatever current gloss you're going to apply to what's going on in the world subjectively, uh, whether it be feminism you call it the manosphere um you can call it patriarchy you call it matriarchy blah 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 basically anyone paying attention to these things realizes that they're finding ways to eat their cake and have it too so you get to have your ideological thing but it's constantly twisted so that it's winning but at the same time human nature still makes sense um mm. whereas whereas it's like well when you finally pull it away you're like you're once again, just abiding by the facts that we all know and finding ways to fit it. And I mean, you see this a lot with with feminism in the contradiction of sort of still wanting a male provider and still abiding by that idea that that is what men should be in a relationship, but still at the same time wanting the independence and quality from the new wave of feminism, which I'm sure is something Alex could probably touch on better than me. But um, that that I don't see the contradiction there because it's just a constant 
pe- basically people trying to keep up with the basic facts we've known all along, right? Sometimes you'll read books like, I mean, I, I'll quote the blank slate, but obviously I haven't read it, but books along those lines, which are just pulling us back to this is the stuff we kind of knew all along, which arises if you don't tamper with things, this is what arises naturally. And I don't think it should be controversial to say that. That's sort of like that the, the quote that I found recently, like, the, the the end game of esoteric teachings is just common sense eventually you pull <laughs> back true. you pull back all the curtains and you go oh what it really was that simple but it takes a lot for you to be able to like wipe away all the stuff that's been put on top has been conditioned into you programmed into you and go oh, okay like it was that glaringly obvious thing which was right under my nose from the start that that's really great and i wanted to ask alex about this as well because james you i feel like i feel bad for calling you james i just call you meta <laughs> you, you don't mind no 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 i don't mind either way now okay good because yeah. some people on like online spheres they'll use that as a power move to like use people's real names which is kind of like right. but you don't care so yeah i just wanted to make <laughs> oh, sure he could have gone uh he could have gone a different way where you could have had the vr furry avatar of that oh, red God, dog love, please <laughs> that came up last night by the way last night i was on birdie and paul talks uh, not paul talk paul towns podcast we <laughs> actually mentioned furries and, and uh one one person uh questioned it and then and, and Paul Towns, like, that sounds like a Lev question, actually. <laughs> persona. I am um, going to be coming on Paul Towns' show real soon, yes, by the way. Yeah. FYI. But it's the longest one he has ever done. Three hours. Go. It's in my pin tweet. But enough of the shilling. Uh, before I ask the question, I just want to say right off the bat that also go and watch, uh, but people probably already have, the Subversive podcast I did with Alex Kashuda. Uh, actually, I wanted to tell Alex personally, I have in the works at least two opportunities one in regards to art the other regards to writing just because i was on the subversive podcast so it's been paying dividends for me to have the the excellent conversation i had with alex so um yeah awesome. and more awesome. more to come uh but but what what uh what meta nomad said i think is great because i wanted to ask you because of your unique perspective being part of the rationalists you were a feminist i mean like you were saying in your recent podcast, um, it's sort of like a complicated term, what feminism is and, and is not, but it does imply sort of a heuristic of the progressive worldview. But you being a rationalist and, and really focusing on the question of a re-essentialization of human nature, what was it, was it like going from a sort of feminism that is embedded within rationalism let's call it ala feminism let's call it that <laughs> feminism shout out to our ala girl to stream <laughs> subscribe to her only f- i i'm not gonna say that again it'll never fly out of my mouth again it was just to be nice but <laughs> but let's call it ala feminism which is embedded within the rationalist post neo-rationalist framework and now you have taken almost a polar opposite of using a f- sort of like the the hang-ups of what you've learned in terms of rationalism and game theory now you're talking about it in the light of things that are i wouldn't say anti-feminism but rather contrary to the let's call it millennial what, what does default friend call it millennial 2010s uh choice liberal feminism uh what is your take you've seen both ends of it like and meta nomad i think you you addressed a really good point with that as well. So take it away, my friend. Yeah, it's um, I think my my biggest kind of red pill throughout this time was the kind of the, the incoherence of the concept of the individual that you know pure rationalism deals in. Um, you know, it's it's this idea of 
you know, this, this homunculus behind the eyes, just guiding you, making informed choices moment by moment. Um, even, even the concept that, you know, reason is the tool, the major tool. It's up top at the stack of tools that we have. Maybe it's the only tool. And that's how we navigate through life. And, you know, just, just you know, my encounter with life in general has, has taught me that this is a very, very 2D kind of stick figure uh, model of, of how humans interact. And that we're, we're, you know, we're individuals, obviously, this is one frame of reference, but we're also part of kind of these mimetic networks. Um, and you kind of have, in a way, like a mimetic responsibility towards other people. Like, I really care about kind of the, the, the mimetic and mimetic uh, health of the community that I'm in, because I see all of these, you know, dominoes of destruction happening around me. And the idea that, oh, you can just live and let live and, you know, who go crazy. And that's, uh, that's the only thing you, you need to do in life. And, and that's, that's uh, enough of a moral framework. That's just, that's just so obviously hollow and, you know, and bankrupt to me. And, and obviously in time, you know, you, you, you learn, you see these people, you see people like, you know, I don't want to, you know, there's, there's, there's always this ex example that Jordan Peterson gives about his friend who's just like this hollowed out guy who's literally just lived this script of live and let live until, you know, he committed suicide in his 40s because it just, it runs you into the ground um, for different reasons and maybe for reasons that are not rationally obvious to you. You know, it's, it's not rationally obvious why uh, indulging your every physical whim in every moment um, is not good but it isn't. <laughs> so and, then and you were talking about this with Louise Perry um, about like, I, I know like the MGTOW, um, like the like manosphere term is like women hitting the wall. But <laughs> is there sort of that same limit for men? Because I think with men, they could sort of extend their hedonism for quite a long time, but eventually like it'll catch up with them. Um, I don't know, maybe the, the it's like the extreme of like, an older man and a younger man hitting the proverbial wall quicker. But it's, it's sort of like we talk about it in terms because women have that like hard biological limit in terms of childbearing, but does it experience like, does that experience have the same sort of limit for men? If you indulge in sort of this model, not just a, like the hedonism is a product of the sort of liberal picture of the subject itself being like you said, this homunculus that, posits a total freedom and a total like sort of rational um purview of everything around you do you think like are men and women different or is that like you're seeing that men are sort of like experiencing this quote-unquote wall i know it's a disgusting and, and, and then the yeah. same and then the same theme i posted a picture of the jesse lee peterson slut maker shirt oh my I god you guys oh my god we have to get him on the show. That would be amazing. <laughs> amazing. That would be amazing. We'll get him in a reverse debate with the feminists. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, obviously I've, I've had zero experience being a man. I do engage with a lot of men. Obviously a lot of men follow me because my, my message is uh, a bit abrasive to the ladies sometimes. I understand that. Um, but um, I mean, I, as, as far as my experience goes, you know, it, it does take a toll on men as well, maybe in, in different ways. I feel like women, some because of the biological constraints, are kind of canaries in the coal mine of morality, 
where you know <laughs> we might be able to let you know earlier if uh, if a certain course of course of action is uh, is shitty and then you know might have uh, might have spiritual wounds that you'll need to you'll need to heal sooner or later but i also think you know there's um there's a, a, a one dimension here that people ignore a lot of the times so there's optionality for for women optionality you know you have a lot of optionality when you're young you know you get to you know people buy you drinks you go around the world you know you can leverage that in crazy ways uh, for men, there is, you know, a little pool of men that have all the options in the world, maybe more than maybe any woman. Uh, and then there is a large pool of men who have, you know, middling to no options, which is, you know, kind of the, the either the intel population. This this is kind of um, in, in the winner take all economy that we've built now with, with, you know, glorious neoliberalism. This is, you know, ratcheting up this effect even even harsher, like the, the winners really do take all nowadays. Um, so in terms I, of sex, it would be a winner take all. But anyway, I am. <laughs> in, in terms of neoliberal, I like I've often said that neoliberalism produces the incel, and I wanted to get uh, Meta No Man's take. But before that, um, because I don't want to, you know, sort of give you softballs. How would you respond? You brought up something. How would you respond to the criticism about your male audience? That um, I guess, like more like obvious, like people that. To me, I think there's a new crop of women posters that are actually high quality and have interesting takes and aren't afraid to admit their faults and aren't like sort of uh, performatively doing the like trad thought thing, <laughs> for lack of a better term. You're so you are like, I mean, I can't even like someone I remember came up, uh, someone said like, uh, is she like the new Lauren Southern? I'm like, no, this is don't even don't even mention Lauren Southern in the same breath as uh, Alex Kashuda or default friend or Bimbo Ubermensch or whoever. Um, but I would say, what would you respond to the criticism that people have leveled against you and people like default friend and Bimbo Ubermensch and uh, that you are in some ways or even like Mary Harrington and others that you are in some ways, I guess Paglia had the same criticism too that all of you are sort of like making it comfortable for men to like express their misogyny or whatnot or that you are somehow enabling like incels or whatever to express their thoughts about how uh, the 80 20 rule is real or something like that what would you say to that sort of criticism that being open and honest about these different and changing gender dynamics has in some ways made it harder for women to uh, get along because you've uh, opened up the space for like these, I don't know, trad incels to uh, latch on to you as an example of like, this is a base woman. She's one of the good ones or whatever. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's always kind of the, the tension to, you know, people telling you you're catering to an audience. Um, I mean, if you, if you asked me 10 years ago, I would have been, you know, pretty much a, a Jezebel feminist and I'd be saying, you know, I'd be catering to a different audience, which is kind of the, the main audience of, of our time, you know. Um, I've, I've, you know, lost a lot of friends being, being out and proud about, about my, hmm. my stark opinions about things. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird one. I, I don't think I'm catering to anyone. I'm also kind of a, a bit of an above the neck poster. I mean, obviously, if you're a face poster, that's, you know, you already kind of have this a bit of a parasocial level to to, to how you engage with people. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird space, to be honest, to be like a woman that's out there with a message that mostly men resonate with. Um, yeah, um, I, <laughs> I don't know if I can I can build a defense against it. It's, it's what I, I really this is what I believe. This is what this is my experience. Um, you know, I'm 
I'm I'm here to talk about it. If it's if it's jarring to some, I think that's that's fair. And if it's you know if it resonates with some 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 basement dwellers, <laughs> then I'm I'm happy to. As have I'm to. doing this live stream from my basement, so it's. <laughs> Uh, no worries. Is, We've all got the basements. <laughs> I've been, I've, I've been a bit big shit poster my whole life. So I mean, I'm, I'm spiritually a basement dweller myself. Well, there is uh, something related to uh, this uh, that I would want to touch on, which is I was having a uh, conversation with some uh, people within the more uh, reactionary community about uh let's say um well male female relationship I, th I think this was around the time when we did the aela girl stream and they got to the point where they were advocating for uh you know leaving certain structures intact as far as certain familial habits even if they include the uh beating of uh wives by the husbands and for someone, you know, who uh, came from Russia, where right now this is still pretty pre prevalent and having had, uh, you know, not that long ago, uh, my ancestors be subject to that uh, to, to that kind of treatment. It strikes me as incredibly uh, grotesque. And it's like an example of, let's say, why there are certain civilizations out there where it is permissible to, let's say, cover women up. Because who knows, maybe people wouldn't be able to, in that environment, resist female flesh. Yet some other civilizations have been able to uh you know transcend that you know very uh you know you know limiting and uh very uh, strenuous kind of you know covering up and wrapping up lest the male go crazy you know the males were able to keep themselves under control to a certain extent in other civilizations which is why when we're talking about like beating women my concern uh, when it comes to let's say saying that there shouldn't be any government intervention at all within the uh, household like the household will be completely private whatever people want to do within the household that is their right and uh, i understand that there are situations today with divorce lawyers with various things that would go against the man and would take the woman's side but at the same time i don't want to just toss that aside and say that that's not a problem so i'm curious where you would stand on that whole uh, dynamic um, on on beating women and covering <laughs> covering. Oh women. no no not yeah. on beating women. Of course we're all against beating women. What I mean more is on let's say the legal ramifications of strengthening let's say the privacy of the family and the strength of the family, uh, as opposed to somebody from the government or f from whoever else being able to come in and let's say you know make sure that the man is not beating the woman. You know what I mean? Like because it seems like people go on these two extremes. Where on one mm -hmm. hand. You know, like they say that, you know, if a child decides that, uh, you know, he is actually a she and the parents are against it, they're going to take the kid away. I mean, they're yeah, they're going to take the kid away uh, from the family. And on the other side, you would have people who want to go back to like, uh, you know, the uh, good old days where there was this great chain of being structure, you know, man was under the woman. And to some that would also apply that uh, the man would have to take things in his own hands if the woman, you know, isn't being, you know, obedient. And, you know, like it goes on and on. So I'm curious, like how we can balance things out uh, when it comes to le certain legal structures and the family. Yeah, I think, you know, the 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 root of all this, you know, and, and the, the complications that we face right now are tied to the fact that you know because the the, the free market is, is so free it's kind of dissolves these you know these these communal you know ties between people families smaller communities where you had these informal norms that you know were partly codified into law um 
locally, but generally the informal norms were more powerful than the law. You didn't really need the state. There wasn't really an equivalent to the state. There were there was you know a little bit of a you know strong arming by. Uh, you know, the elders or things like that and, you know, enforcement by aunties and, and you know, elder crones in the, in, in the community. So you didn't really need the separation between, you know, you know, personal morality and state morality. Now you have everything at scale. You you kind of, you know, the growth of the state is and and the powers of the state to come in and tell you what to do with your children, you know, you know, I don't put you away if you're beating up your wife is proportional to to you know, how, how separated we've became with, with the luxuries that, uh, that the, that the market afforded. So I think it's, um, it's really hard to, I don't think it's possible to return in the, in the, you know, stricter sense. With a V, um, return with a V. <laughs> with a V, exactly. Uh, because of this kind of this, this structural condition that we're under. Um, because, you know, if, for example, you would say, okay, the state needs to needs to drop it, you know, the state needs to not be involved in any any sort of thing. It's kind of like the, the libertarian position. The state should just mind its own business, build the road, maybe not even that. Uh, and then <laughs> just, just... No, be- fuck roads. Exactly. We don't need roads where we're going. Anyway. <laughs> um, but then the problem is that, you know, uh, like intimate morality has collapsed completely. So I think the the... the the root and, you know, kind of my personal approach to this is rebuilding for myself and the people around me some form of kind of natural law, intimate morality, kind of essentially virtue ethics from from first principles. This is a very hard slog, obviously, but it's the only thing that I can that I can imagine. <laughs> so, um, you know, the the idea that, you know, I'm, I'm going to now influence the state until you know create the, the perfect regime so that that reflects my my personal morality you know might might be a bit hard it might take a while for me to 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 do that um but i think you know if people realize the the pitfalls of you know this this neoliberal disintegration that we're in it, it might start you know people start might start to coagulate locally and, and figure this stuff out and kind of uh live well despite the state. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that's that. Well, I think, that's I, I think it is very close. I mean, it is a balance between uh, individual freedom and uh, the prosperity of the whole. And it's not something that I take lightly, you know, as far as what direction do we go to to ensure that both, uh, you know, have, have their day in the sunlight without uh, interfering in either one. And I think the point that you're getting to is that the whole has been interfered a lot with, and I could definitely see that. I just don't know where exactly and how exactly this uh, line can be drawn because the criticism that is leveled against people who are let's say more trad is that they're looking at the past with rose-colored glasses and maybe ignoring certain things that occurred back then like if you were to live like if you if you were to be teleported back then like in a romania in the what 1600s 1700s you know then what exactly would uh, be your experience living there like would you be all in for it or would all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, like my husband can actually like beat me up wherever he wants to. And maybe like with this arranged marriage, you know, it works out for the community. Like they got the marriage uh, on the ground, like uh, the dowry was received. Yet I'm actually living in some some amount of misery. I actually don't have any strong feelings toward this man that I married. And now I'm going to be stuck with this bastard, you know, for uh, the rest mm-hmm. of my life. So that does not seem to be good either. So what could be a good balance here to uh, work out both the individual needs as well as prosperity of the whole? 
Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's a human tendency to to want to find the perfect lens, you know, the perfect lens on reality. Is it the individual? Is it the collective? Is it, you know, where where which which one is it? And I think, you know, like you said, it's it has to be a balance and I feel like uh the best thing we can strive for, you know, from a from a the point of view of a philosophical system is to find the eternal you know to find what what part of the traditional lifestyle was was the the thing that made you not go stir crazy with anxiety at 32 you know what 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 was it that you know gave meaning to to life in in those conditions it might be that the answer is you know you you need to have a life full of suffering to have meaning then maybe oh, yeah. <laughs> you know there, there's there's all sorts of things that, that kind of um, might be emergent from this. Obviously, you know, no no one wants to go back to you know owning slaves or I don't know serfs like. In, well, in some a... people do. I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, there, there's different there. levels of suffering. Mm-hmm. Like I think uh, I think Machis has a point where he says this is to some extent a straw man of tradition, because uh, there are certain yeah. places where this was more expressed in than others like in uh, russia i keep going back to russia because the state of people there was a lot more close to the uh, beasts of the field than maybe the state of peasants living in like england like somebody was mentioning here uh that uh the anglos had it uh better and i am curious for made a nomad if you would care to uh res- wait are you in england or another part of the uh, united kingdom i want to make sure i don't uh you know falsely yeah. put no, you in, in a i'm in england yeah excellent all right jolly jolly good hello governor anyway, i'm not gonna do that <laughs> anyway so i'm curious from your perspective uh where do you see a good balance here and has it also been shows shown in uh in merry old England back in the day, as far as there being a good family structure, you know, nice and solid, and not as much rampant abuse of, uh, you know, because that seems to be something that we can live without, just like we can live without having a society where, you know, uh, if people don't get their hands chopped off, uh, then they're going to steal. You know, it almost seems like there are levels of complications that people can endure in life where they can suffer and they can grow from suffering, but it doesn't mean that their punishment will have to be the chopping of hands, you know, because people can't stop stealing otherwise. You know, there it should be like a higher level civilization than that. But anyway, uh, go for it, uh, Made a Nomad. Yeah, I mean, I'm from the backwaters of England, so we st- it's still fairly traditional where I am, and a lot of people, probably at least some people here probably still, you know, shoot 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 things in their back gardens for their dinner so that's not you know so i'm probably not the best person to talk about this but i think it's the way you talk about tradition is the pro- is is almost the problem it's the, in defining what tradition is so if you're defining tradition and applying it to every single facet of everything like for some reason you know people always bring up the oh yeah let's go back to those days when everyone had typhoid well, contracting typhoid isn't a tradition. That's nothing to do with our, our <laughs> exactly. societal value system. That's nothing to do with, you know, marriage values or morality or ethics. There's nothing to do with that. That's to do with the material progress of medicine and, uh, you know, technological medicine, if you want to put it that way, which I'd, if you could find a way to inherently tie that to tradition, then I'd fall for that argument. But I don't think anyone's saying that um, purposely using proven methods which are worse on a material level is tradition that's not tradition tradition is almost like a metaphysical basis for how you form your society um whether or not you know and then and then also understand that saying the times when we were the most traditional are also the times which coincide with the most uh woman beating it's like okay well is perhaps there is a correlation there 
the, the likely is but bringing that up isn't really addressing the, the the question at hand really um and i don't you know i don't really know what to do with that information of like say you know someone says oh i'm, I'm more for tradition oh so you want to beat your wife like <laughs> no again you know, I, understand, I, I understand i understand this is a straw women, man obviously. it's a bit of a bit of yes a no it's a straw man that i think uh enables people to ignore a lot of the positive aspects that can be seen for example in my own family like i think yeah. i come from a very traditional family where we value social cohesion and i would never send any of them to an old folks home for example you know like well, i are... think some of the comments are interesting one being um uh scroll up a bit love sure 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 um, well, one, one uh, way monetizing I, one... descent oh go ahead go ahead meta well one, one way i sort of continue that discussion is how you're conditioned to understand what uh, a good society and a good way of living is because i guess the argument that most people are going to when you say oh we would like to go back to tradition is they would say well you're implying that we should do that because things were better back then and they don't want to do that which is the implication that they're saying that things have gotten better now so of course you're on two different sort of spectrums yeah. of, of how you yeah what you consider to be good but it's a very black and, and white and, way yeah that is a very black and white way but the general the thing is people seem to forget that they're conditioned into understanding their notion of what good is from the society they've been born within so like the general conception of what a good life is now is being able to afford more things there's very little outside of that um maybe yeah. having some loose virtues you know oh i i'm all for diversity that doesn't you know it doesn't mean anything yeah. you know I'm, I'm against you can everyone says oh, i'm against racism that doesn't mean anything but you can do it so outside of being able to say like afford another car or get another degree even though that doesn't actually prove that you know anything there's actually very little values to say that we that we're good but of course if those are your values then a traditional way of being isn't going to go towards them so it's a bit different yeah. but I, and i also wanted to comment on like it was ages ago now but you mentioned the whole manosphere idea of women hitting the wall i think there is a male equivalent and i think it ties into the incel thing and it's i think doing podcasts that's the male equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> you've hit the wall when you're doing everybody podcast, subscribe yeah. so we so we hit the wall with a good amount no, of no, no, subscribers. I, I think um so like for women, you've got that clearly defined limit, which is really in to do with like the one thing women can only do, which is give give birth. That shouldn't be controversial for me to say that only women can give birth. I want to look into the camera. <laughs> only women can give birth. That's like, oh, I, no, no, now we're going to be banned. Yeah, now we're going to be no. uh, demonetized. If, 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 if it's got to the point, if it's got to the point where like I'd get shut down for that, I wouldn't be angry. I don't think because they look, yeah. that's not even a hill. That's not even a hill. To, to anyway so that's like the why it's hitting the wall is because you have that one clear limit and i think for men there is a wall and i i would describe it as competency because that's the main thing that is sort of needed from men is like are you competent i mean there's nothing more pathetic than when a tiny thing goes wrong in a house and like the man panics and has to call five different people and doesn't know and i think the problem is is that you seem to have a long time frame to be able to get competent but when you're a 30 mid 30s year old man playing around with funko pops and you don't know how to like unblock a sink that's the point when you've hit a wall because you no longer really have the time to learn these basic competency things and it's clear you've also just remained in an infantile state so i think like the, i'm not saying it's worse but the man's wall at least when a woman hits a wall it's like okay that decision's good done i'll go do other things but for a man it's like dragging out in front of him yeah. how pathetic he is uh, but, um... yeah, definitely <laughs> The only reason uh, me and my old man called a plumber recently is because we didn't have a long enough snake. We had a plumbing thing recently, but mm. yeah, it's 
doing your own plumbing is terrible by the way <laughs> but i'm i'm fortunate to have a father who's like a handyman so well you're like living in flintstones land you have an actual oh, yeah. snake you have an actual snake like that goes the mouth down and, and, here yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. oh my god um but alex you, you had a take recently about this competency thing and hierarchy but i just wanted to um because like you said it the best about how a lot of like what is built as competence you're responding to jordan peterson is like basically selling shit to people that have very like low time preference and who are very like impulsive buyers like if you could sell a subscription based service to people that are usually not very conscious um elaborate on that but also the comments one of them was uh what was his name descent or um he said like Tradition is also another consumer identity, which is kind of true. And also someone said, what is tradition? Uh, because we are existing in a modern framework and even this label of something being like, we know what tradition is qua tradition, qua a perennial truth about a given society. But yet when it comes down to like what most people think is quote unquote traditional, that's a very complicated subject because we are still moderns. We're painfully modern. Um, and I mean, well, if you're, Latour, it's like we've never been modern, but whatever. Let's just say for the sake of argument, we are moderns and we have to view things through that lens. Uh, but when it comes to using things that are not necessarily um, quote unquote productive or the most efficient, there is certain cases like that where those are complexities of why people do the things they do. For example, in the work of art, like why do I make prints based off of an etching press using woodcuts instead of like being a digital artist? It's because... I believe that I truly am getting something out of using these traditional methods of printmaking, for example, that can't be replicated with merely uh, the digital reality of, of the work of art being um, mediated by digital technology, lacking, I mean, lacking an aura to quote Benjamin. But Alex, what do you think of this whole talk of like competency and so forth? And you wanted to say something before we cut you off a bit. So sorry. About yeah, it's, it's all good. Um, yeah, what I wanted to say before is that, you know, in a way you can measure tradition or the, the value of any system by the fruits it bears. And we are a, you know, we are lemmings off a cliff in, <laughs> in that sense. You know, we are a barren civilization um and we're we're getting more barren by by the day so you know comparing like you know what's good what isn't good you know this is almost like meta utilitarian like you know are we going to be around in 200 years how about that as as a measure for for your civilization so yeah i mean there there might have been some some you know more um i don't know more strife a bit, a bit more dramatic uh, action in, in the past, but you know they they did a really good job bringing us here. You know I'm really grateful they 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 stuck around and and weren't you know convinced by antinatalist memes to maybe skip skip reproducing. So that that's that that is another scary thing. Um, I remember Moldbug. He had this conversation with Michael Anton about how voluntary human extinction is going to be like the latest trend like people are gonna start reading Thomas Ligotti and uh they're gonna meme memed into it oh by the way really quickly um now that we're on now that I remember I want to give a huge um prayer uh if people can out there can pray for Moldbug um Curtis Yarvin and his family his wife recently passed away of a oh. congenital um con heart condition and it's a huge loss he has two young children and so please pray for Moldbug um it's, it's such a terrible thing to hear especially in these times and I, I wish him and his family the best from the bottom of my heart um so 
let's get that the, out of the way. So yeah. th thank you, Gio. And that mournful moment actually snapped me out of my uh, mania with the with the laughter from the Jordan Peterson thing. So I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that he's part of. Uh, uh, he's Red Skeleton, apparently. According to Denishi Coates, what's going on with that? That's sort of, like Red know. Skeleton. Are you talking Not about Red Morse Skeleton? Code? The, the what is the villain that is actually speaking? Red truth? Skull. Red, Red Skull. Skull. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I know. I haven't really Red been Skull. following uh, the the comic thing. That does touch upon what uh, James talked about earlier when it comes to um, all of this, uh, all these creature comforts that a lot of men have, where they don't really see the need to grow up, as it were. You know, uh, start a family. And at the same time, if there are things out there that's not going to work on their behalf as far as finding a partner that would be able to, you know, I'm not necessarily saying, you know, a great chain of being here, but just somebody who would be compatible with them, somebody that would create some kind of a uh, harmonious relationship, something like that may be uh, missing today on, uh, on both sides. Which side do you think it would take to, let's say, man up or woman up? in order to increase the chances of, uh, at least in certain circles, that uh, compatibility uh, rising again? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big question. I get, I get asked this question, or may, maybe less asked this question, but people, people posit solutions to me, and I... <laughs> they're going to be probably not going that easily, you know, because people keep talking about, you know, women as a collective, men as a collective, men should do this, women should do this. You know, there's there's no big meeting. You know, we, we don't congregate. We don't coordinate, unfortunately, because, you know, kind of looking at, at dating as a, as a game theoretic landscape, uh, there are things that you could do as a collective if you know what other people might do. And there are things that you could do as an individual because they advantage you, uh, you know, to defect on, on certain systems. And I feel like we're we're stuck in this big defection, uh, you know, collective defection of everyone because everyone is now connected especially you know the women have the possibility to be dating these super high status people on 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 apps and they always think oh okay you know this is this is my shot i'm going to be i'm going to be i don't know miss investment banker or whatever <laughs> whatever guy that you know you know gives you gives you the time of day once um and then that's that's kind of a a, sh a shitty equilibrium but i feel like you know if if people would understand the uh, the implications of this you know the, the game theory of this they might be a bit more open and i think this this applies to men as well as women i guess you know red pill kind of teaches men a little bit about this stuff um it's i don't know it's it's it gets quite dark in certain ways because it it you know it, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy at one point if you if you like you know 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 the dark heart of man you act like you know everyone's going to defect against you you might be missing out on, on cooperative games that you might be able to engage in but because you think oh yeah women are you know just <laughs> just uh, i don't know the devil himself uh it, it might be hard to you know actually have a good relationship with a woman um and do you think that uh, women in general, again, speaking very general here, as far as, you know, the uh, macros, do you think that uh, there is a certain uh, age at which women, more so than men, or maybe not, and I'm curious whether you see a difference here, would be more susceptible to certain trends? And if there is a certain cutoff point at which, for most, not all, not all, not all, but most, as Jesse Lee Peterson says, uh there would you know be much uh, much uh, easier to you know get them to consider a different point of view and at which point do you think for the majority it would cut off and again i don't want to put women in one category here so i just want to kind of like ask you first 
would you say that there is a difference here between men and women? Uh, so let's start with that one first. Yeah, of course, because, you know, the, the, the timelines are different. You know, the, the biological imperatives are different. Hormonal profile is quite different, you know, whatever people tell you. Um, you know, I, I personally kind of got woke to this thing kind of in my mid-20s, so I was, I was okay, but uh, a lot of people, you know, don't. And then there's also the problem of, you know, cognitive dissonance, because if you're 35 and then you get woke to this stuff, it's, it's probably better for you to stick to, to your rad femme stuff, you know, just, just for consistency's sake. You know, you should, you should continue to be hating the patriarchy because you've really invested a lot of, a lot of your, your, your mind space into these memes. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to backtrack from that point. So I see a lot of people kind of in, in that you know, um, mm. and that problem. So, and I'm not just talking when about you're relationships West, here. It's all over. So yeah, but I'm not just talking mm. about uh, thoughts on relationships, but even on politics, on policies regarding, you know, migration, taxation, welfare, all that stuff. Like, would you say that there is a difference between how men and women, again, on the whole, would perceive these? Does it have actually more to do not with the men and women, but more with the culture that they were raised in? And uh, yeah, that that would be my second question there. Yeah, yeah, I think there's there's definitely you know temperamental differences on average between men and women that probably make make up the bulk of the explanation for why you know women tend to be more into like collectivist politics, more into you know the the, the politics of agreeableness, uh, you know you know hel helping the the downtrodden and you know redistributing from the the apex predator to the uh, to the, the the lower the lower masses. So I think that's that's kind of a, an instinctive drive for a lot of women. Um, and I think, you know, individualism also kind of, you know, it kind of moves into that direction because like I said, you know, a lot of people don't really have like, you know, a hundred years ago, you know, if something bad happened to me, my family would, would try to help me, you know, they were, they wouldn't be as wealthy for sure, but it wouldn't be like, oh, okay, you know, now the state needs to come in and take me and stick me in a, in a, you know, special home first for someone. Uh, it, it would have been implied that the community would step in and do this stuff. Now that the community, you know, what community, uh, the state has to grow to, to protect to, you know, and, and women, I think, you know, they, they tend to, to do be a bit more statist in that respect because they see the, the failings of the lack of community, but they typically don't attribute it to the fact that the community is decayed. They attribute it to the fact that there's no one to step in to solve these problems. So the state should do it because, you know, traditionally there was someone to do it, but they're just not there anymore. I don't want to go all Reddit tier over here, but uh -oh. if people want to, if people want to question what you just said right now, what would you recommend for them as far as reading material uh, to point out that there is this difference between the majority of men and the majority of women when it comes to these uh, political decisions? I mean, there's there's all sorts of, um, you know, kind of Evo psych books that yeah, just they, they just go into, you know, personality differences. And, you know, there's typically if you look at all the, the distributions uh, of, um, you know, self-stated, obviously, this is usually self-stated data. Uh, women tend to be more agreeable. They tend to be, you know, higher neuroticism. They tend to avoid conflict. They, you know, 
most of the stereotypes that you would associate with women are, are pretty easily replicable in, in a lot of the EvoPsych thing, which I think is part part of what why EvoPsych is so interesting because it just adds a layer of you know sciencey talk to stuff that everyone knew until yesterday. So they you know it's it's quite <laughs> it's quite. Uh, you know, it, it 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 lets you bring the stuff into a, a sciencey sounding conversation, um, but it doesn't you know it doesn't really inform you about about much that is new. And I don't know, it's uh, it's something that I uh, definitely agree with when it comes to not only relying on these Evo Sykes, but also using them uh, partly. I know Spoon of Salt, he said over here, I don't want to go, uh, I don't want to go Reddit here, and <laughs> I proceed to go uh, Reddit here. But I do think it's important for people who are from the outside of uh, your worldview to kind of understand where you're coming from. This is what Break the Rules tries to do. And uh, as do far as... there is, yeah. in, like, in some ways, this discourse that we're having in it almost is like a weird outside of like the norm, obviously. But why is it that in, at least to like certain people with a certain sort of personality profile that these ideas are interesting because precisely they are an outside of, of whatever, um, not just social acceptability, but also the structures by which we exist in our current epoch to begin with in our current episteme. So I wonder if that could be a compulsion to always seek this outside um, that could be yeah. part of it for, for sure. I mean, I if, if I was in the middle of the of the female distribution on 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 most traits, I wouldn't probably be on this podcast or any podcast. I'd probably you know be minding my own business. <laughs> but because mm -hmm. I am I am like 99th percentile in, in disagreeability and all that stuff or whatever you want to measure this stuff. I think I think they're you know they're heuristics. They're not you know this is barely science anyway um but you know it, it does tell you a little bit about you know what what you tend to do uh and i tend to you know stick my nose where it doesn't belong so it's it's quite fun but i i see that it's not for everyone and yeah well with uh, sticking your nose where it doesn't belong that would be again going back to the question of uh individuals versus the whole we could say that the uh, government and the uh who I think are pretty bad, these institutions that we have, at least in the United States, that take kids away, put them in these foster homes that are, you know, absolutely horrible and sometimes have their way with the kids as well. You know, like a CPS, I think it's called Child Protective Services. Yeah, like these horrible, horrible organizations. But anyway, when it comes to government or any other kind of, you know, overarching entity sticking its nose in between, while I don't want to, like uh, James was uh, uh, great to point out, like I don't want to create a straw man of these people who say like, oh, everything like back then, it was just like beatings and uh, horrible experiences for women. Women were, you know, enchained. Of course, being within, you know, these uh, conversational spheres that we have, I think anybody who is in this uh, sphere for a long enough time talking with people would discover that there are many very important and vital things that keep communities together. But my only, like, the last thing that I want to say here, as far as just, like, concrete examples, would be people, governmental entities, or whoever, would just uh, look the other way. And how much has that happened 
in the communities of old in general, where for the sake of the whole, for the sake of cohesion, the town elders would look the other way if there was abuse. And one thing that I can point to, let's say, would be, uh, for example, in Hasidic communities, where you had, you know, the uh, actual, uh, you know, uh, having their way with very little kids, like this, uh, this one, you know, bearded Lover, you, gentleman. Are you and they... saying some 4chan conspiracies now? What I'm saying is that, is that what I'm saying is one of the uh, fellow Hasidic uh, Jews was, uh, you know, reporting and trying to get the word out that this other Hasidic Jewish guy within their community was uh, doing horrible things to children. Yet it was very closed. You know, they didn't really want the outside world to interfere in whatever was going on. And that may be like a general trend when it comes to if you look at communities that come from uh, Pakistan, for instance, and are in England. And James, I'm curious, like, if you have any thoughts on this as well, where I think the idea for people who are not uh, associated with that whole world is that uh, people who live in, uh, you know, England, who come from uh, these uh, Middle Eastern places, they are very insular and mm -hmm. they are but, very but the uh, interesting yeah. question yeah. would be the question of community in general and how this sort of weird bifurcation of society like like maybe a good question i wanted to i was curious about your thoughts on meta nomad but what do you see as the picture of society i know england is a very particular situation but wh where do you think the picture is going do you think that these sort of ethnic or ideological communities they'll just sort of like retreat further within the citadel of the self or how is it going to work um, I'll go full like joke mode, <laughs> but you know you're giving really extreme examples of of where yeah. as as small as small insular groups of you know being neglectful of abuse and these these are usually used as scapegoats to demonize that entire community. So it's like oh the, the here's a story of a Catholic priest being a pedophile. All yeah. of Catholicism is bad. It's like no, but that doesn't do it doesn't mean anything about that religion. But I would say I would really there's a brilliant essay by Ram Priere about modern schooling and like. Maybe I've read too much Foucault, but like I would really stretch the the notion of abuse pretty far in terms of how most people would read it and say that actually we 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 basically all of us turn a blind eye blind eye to yeah. abuse which goes on in schools every single day uh, by the school system right they, these are just if you think back to when you're in school you were just literally made to sit in a room watching something or learning something you didn't need to learn under horrible light told when you couldn't. couldn't could and couldn't eat and go to the toilet and people would say like oh you're being dramatic you're being but if you deconstruct what's going on in schools yeah. that's a fair amount of abuse and it i, means I, of I correct genu training. I genuinely honest, yeah. i genuinely think that a lot of the conditioning and the reason why most people in society just keep their heads down and live these really banal dead lives is because they were just conditioned in an almost traumatic way in school to just understand that freedom is this really yeah. tiny thing um, so that's where I'd say, I mean, you don't even need to look at insular groups. Um, but I think those insular groups will get more insular because they've got to retain their tradition somehow. And that, you know, the few places that tradition is left is those groups are those groups, which, you know, uh, almost have to be on the defensive, um, in terms of, you know, not letting anything else in, you know, I think of like, mm. um, Orthodox Christianity, you know, Orthodox churches are really, they really draw the line and you have to be you know sort of authoritarian about what you do let in intellectually to retain it otherwise you know in that sort of Kaczynskian idea of basically all cultures just turn into this one homogenous culture of consumerism um, and mm -hmm. your tradition or your your personal culture turns into an aesthetic you know a lot of people say oh, it's a multicultural city and by that they generally mean that there's different 
cuisine restaurants. Go to Toronto, it's getaway nation. Yeah. Totally but, but it's like yeah. saying it's like saying, Where's the Chinese culture here? It's oh it's in Chinatown. But it's like or you know, where's the Indian culture? There's a great Indian restaurant. But outside of that you can't say much about it. And it's like I think they're probably very you know, rightfully yeah. so. You should well, be we're going to have an Indian Bronson in just a minute. He's coming in 12 noon, so I would love for him to also uh, talk about this because he, from what I know, is from a very traditional uh, uh, Indian uh, Hindu uh, culture. But uh, I agree with but you yeah, about that's... the schools. I mean, with, with the schools, there's one quick example I wanted to bring up. Somebody wrote this on Twitter. I hope this is not true. I hope that they were just trolling. But somebody wrote down that on one of the uh, Zoom classes that their kid had, they had a Zoom detention oh, for that kid because he was not Zoom paying detention. attention. It's like, oh, my God. But uh, That's brilliant. But that's a brilliant yeah. example, right? Because it yeah. shows you what it's actually doing because that's like pure mental conditioning because they're not actually yeah. in they're not actually in a physical detention anymore yes you you've that kid has got to like internalize the idea that they are ostracized without even physically being anywhere where they yeah. you know, in your own home as well well really right? they should do a virtual, virtual cam expression. well they should do a virtual no. cam of that kid so yeah, that like, he's just standing still for one yeah, detention telling them and not they, to move yeah. Yes. Don't move. And then they just like remix that, like edit that, <laughs> extend it for several minutes, and then well, put that a little was, bit of um, AI in there. That that was the essay, the means of correct training in um, which Foucault book was that? Was that um, may have been Power Knowledge about the the self-referential panopticism of the expectation is there that I have to follow this set because my parents and my parents before them, they went through the school system. So it's like this mutually reinforced system of abuse that has to interpolate people into a specific way of knowing themselves and knowing others in this very like <laughs> brutal environment that doesn't, of course that doesn't produce like it, it produces uh, a subject that is ideal for certain econometrics and nothing else like universities are very much like that and having you know studied Foucault at the grad level that was like a huge part of my you know political um experience uh I feel like I th you see this everywhere um and of course you know I know people are going to say in the chat yeah Tunisian boys I know I know people knew this about him in the 80s but not not to excuse you know what what he did or whatever but like uh that's inevitably going to come up when it comes to Michel Foucault uh but it, Wait, was he a, was he a nonce? He was a nonce, yes, apparently, allegedly. Um, but uh, well, that's well. One of the sort of uh, smears of the entire French continental scene is the fact they all signed that letter well, age of consent. about the yeah, yeah yeah the age of consent letter. So, yeah. which is generally glossed over. But going back to like, I, I just want to comment on this a bit more. Like going back to the schooling thing, in terms of freedom, and it goes back to that idea of competency. Is that schools basically teach you the idea that all knowledge and understanding has to be credentialed and that you mm -hmm. can't you know people are very wary to like going back to the idea of like doing your own plumbing or changing your own brake pads or whatever people will be reluctant to do that because they don't have a credential because you've literally been taught that knowledge is synonymous with having like some letters next to your name as opposed to the knowledge itself and the same goes just for just for being competent and having freedom like school slowly increases your amount of freedom so when you finally leave education you feel so free without realizing that you're really not. And you, you, you realize, you know, after education, some people actually enjoy those first few years of like doing adult things. They're like, you know, they'll talk about like, you're I've got to fill up my car or I've got to go, oh man, I've got to pay my taxes. And it never really dawns on them that that's like not, you know, that's not an enjoyable process, but it seems it because it's like going from a really horrible prison to a fairly nice one. 
right? And that transition makes it nice enough. Well, it reminds me of this uh, commercial for Marlboro cigarettes, not the cowboy one, but there was another one with this uh, suburban uh, dad who was working on his car, and he said, uh, you know, I love working on my car, I like to uh, take it apart and put it back together. And then the narrator says, you smoke while doing this? Says, of course. And then he talks about Marlboro <laughs> and how he loves the flip-top box and all that. But the thing that I really loved about that commercial is that this is not something that we're going to have today where there is more of a distance between us and the car. The car, in a way, becomes a nanny for us. In fact, like on my car now, there's this button where you press it and the seats uh, you know, go up instead. Of, like I can't actually physically move them down. It sucks because it takes the agency away from the individual and puts it into this uh, you know, overarching technocracy structure that's going to have more of a grasp on our lives. But at the same time, just to play devil's advocate here, if we are talking about uh, education, schooling, and this is all horrible, I couldn't agree more. At the same time, if we were to like have levels of things to uh, you know take care of in society, when it comes to people, like I said in the Hasidic example, the example of the uh, rape gangs that are in uh, England, these are examples of uh, situations where the community, uh, the people within the insular community, they never made a fuss about it, nor did they take care of it with mob justice either. I didn't see examples of either the Hasidics or the uh, Asians, as they are called in uh, England, taking matters into their own hands and making sure that these gangs would stop what they were doing. It almost seemed to be like something that they looked the other way on. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe some people were doing something against that, but I haven't seen it. So yeah. would I there think, be any uh, remedy there? Yeah. In, in, in this case, I, I mean, I don't know exactly the specifics of the, the Hasidic Jewish case, but in, in the UK it was clear that this was a interaction between two sub-communities where... You know, one community was was predating another community. One community was kind of was, but that was culturally insulated by itself and also by the state, who didn't want to necessarily interfere and, you know, create a a, a race problem. Um, they didn't interfere, and then they were predating these girls who were no ones. You know, they were just uh, representing lower class or maybe foster kids or things like that who people didn't in have council houses. Yeah. Yeah. Council that, and, and people who were, were represented essentially only by the state very poorly, because if, if, you know, the, the, the community would actually have a stake in these children, then the community would have, would have, uh, you know, picked up the pitchforks and, and gone then, after them. But, that's but the, the state was of... kind of interpolating that, you know, it was not... But, know, but which community are we talking about here? Because if we're talking about the uh, community, well, the Asian community within uh, England, I'm sure that there are shops that those uh, gang members visited, restaurants they visited, people who they knew, their cousins, their sisters, who knew that all this stuff was going on. Were they somehow disempowered they were from being able to... Outgroup members, you know, these are these are different communities, you know, but they, then that the outgroup question is important of like, if it's a class issue as well, which but then that would say that, well, if you're of a lower class and immediately you're going to like, I don't know, be exploited by one or another. But that, but it still it goes to show that, I mean, that that is also another issue of the class angle that when people are predating each other in a certain socioeconomic uh, demographic then what does it mean to live in a society where the Morlocks sort of are terminally abusing themselves and the people at the top, they 
have their own justifications for turning a blind eye to it, whether it be racism or, well, the perception of being racist or other means. It's like a very sticky issue. I, I mean, in some ways, I think that the sort of, um, like, the discourse around it was less nuanced than it could have been uh, to the point where now when you mention the Rotherham case, it's like you're, I don't know, people think that you're like some well, white nationalist or whatever. But those issues are very complex and yeah. But the disappointing thing to me is that it almost seemed like if the people within the community that were wholeheartedly against this were empowered, then we could have had people from Pakistan, like some elderly Pakistani man and wife, joining hand in hand with the people who were like the working class Brits against this particular uh, horrendous situation. So I don't know why something well, like that again, can't I happen. I think I think I think Alex oh, was ahead, really on, Alex was really on the money with it. With that, this is these these were kids that were away for weeks and weeks at a time, and any young kid who has even two family members to look after them is going to wonder, you know, where they are. Um, so it is was again once again as Alex said, it was was complete. Uh, not to sound horrible, but like anomalies who'd been just lost in the state system, who were reliant on state money, who really yeah. had absolutely no community to you know because if 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 a, kid, if a kid's gone for weeks at a time or days at a time you're going to wonder where they are the fact that no one did uh it, you know sort of vindicates alex's point that they it, it just completely lost in that sort of bureaucratical welfare system of like well, to be clear you know, they've, though they've been ticked off that they've got the money and they've got the the place in, to live like what more is the need to do and i think the reason yeah. that and that that explains the reason why nothing ever really came of it because as you say, you've got just two separate groups. And eventually, like, if you don't, it sounds horrible, but if you don't have a stake in that in a personal communal way, because we don't have community anymore, eventually you're going to think, well, this isn't worth the risk, you know, to my to my livelihood, because obviously you've brought up that the state didn't want to get involved because of the race yeah. issue. And, and you're not going to personally want to get involved for the same reasons. But, but I want to make yeah. sure we're talking about the same thing here, because I agree with you that we, if we are talking about the uh, English or British, I'm not sure like what the right word here is, you know, like the the uh, white people who are in the working class, who are wards of the state, I understand what you're saying, that the community there has faded over time, but there was, I assume, a stronger community aspect within the immigrants from Pakistan. So it, again, goes back to the question of, well, what about like the uncles and the cousins and the uh, elderly but again, mothers? But, like, but again, that's another issue of globalization and the mixing of cultures itself. But Alex, you had a point? Yeah, well, I think the, you know, the, you kind of have to contrast the, you know, the, the care for the outsider with the internal solidarity that these communities need to, need to maintain, especially in, in a system that tells them every day that the British people really do hate them. And, you know, that there's, there's, you know, this, this eternal fight that has to, you know, happen between the, the, the population that lives there and the, the, the new arrivals. Uh, so if you're positioned to be in kind of this war and you have your community and you want to protect your community, it's pretty, you're pretty much incentivized to turn a blind eye to whatever someone in your community might be doing why why should you, you be an advocate for for people that you know want you dead or whatever you know crazy virulent rhetoric it's is, whatever is. owen jones tells you in the guardian so exactly yeah. but no but but meta touched upon something i feel is another 
overlooked issue in terms of like, I know Lev, you're talking about these abuses in these communities, but when you really look at it, and th this is again, another fundamental Foucauldian point about the break within the sources of power itself and the means by which people are um, interpolated in certain ways. For example, when you had sort of clannish uh, communal structures, um, kids were by and large, um, not like the sort of way like crazy, you know, Marxel people think like there is primitive communism, but kids were taken care of by the community or rather there was an obligatory sense of uh, kinship towards the children of because they are the future. Whereas the advent of industrialization and the sort of centralizing of people within uh, urban centers, that in a lot of ways creates this phenomenon of quote unquote wards of the state. And that in turn creates an underclass of the you know, latchkey kids who are either in the system or have been crossed into the system, but yet they go back and forth. And it creates this environment of the decentering of the community from the lives of children, because now yeah. in really like the, the family can no longer exist within the framework of extreme uh, atomized individualism in general, because by definition, you have to be controlled. Um, you have to be the, the, the writer of your own destiny. And that sort of grates with a lot of these obligations people have. So there, I mean, there's been people that have done studies about how uh, well, the welfare state in terms of child welfare, that was largely a product of industrialization and now post-industrialization. So yeah, absolutely. But the, the thing is also these, this is not like necessarily a new phenomenon, but this creates this, like you said, this underclass that's essentially almost advertising itself to predators. Like this, you know, the, the, the kind of the predatory instinct of some people, obviously, you know, obviously a, a, a sub portion of the population is going to have these instincts and is going to, you know, be waiting on opportunities to, you know, exercise them. Um, I mean, I, I remember when I was younger, um, my, my father died when, when I was quite young and some, some guy in, in our neighborhood found out that my dad had died oh, and his God, his oh. his predatory instincts were were on fire instantly like he was completely in in, yeah. in stalker mode and you know because he he had this idea that you know i, I was unguarded uh, and you know obviously 99.9 percent .9 of people even here in, in you know uh you know backward eastern europe would not have that but for him that was the, the signal and i mean this is if we're doing this to, to whole swaths of society just uh, advertising that they're not only unguarded but you know there's there maybe there's a social worker checking in with them every month then um you know <laughs> it's it's, mm. it's not it's not a very good uh, marketing scheme for protecting these children and we had uh, Hotep Sophia on uh, many of our uh, previous shows where she was also talking about the uh, situation in the black community where there were structures of the church whose uh, role it was to make sure that if there are latchkey kids, they are uh, being given some kind of mentorship. And I don't know what the state of uh, Romania is today. I'll be honest, I'm, I don't really know that much about Romania, which is why I'm really happy to have you here to uh, tell us a little bit more about it. I know that there was a, uh, uh, a revolution against the communist regime there, and the uh, husband and wife team who were uh, heading up the communist regime, they were gunned uh, down. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about just like the Romanian character and about that time, if uh, your parents also relate to you what exactly uh, went down and how is Romania today in comparison to the rest of the, I take it Romania is in the EU. So how would it be in comparison to the rest of the EU right now, what the general disposition of a lot of people is? Yeah, it's, um, 
Well, I mean, I, I I know a little bit about communism. I have lived, you know, just just two years under under proper communism proper, and then I've been essentially my whole life been living through transition, which is the phase that I guess we're in right now. Um, and it's a transition to to a market economy. That's what where we're going, and uh, it's it's been uh, bumpy to say the least. Uh, so it hasn't really panned out as well uh, for us as for, for other people. Um, but um, yeah, I think, you know, Romania has obviously changed a lot, uh, but we're also kind of a, a bit downstream from all the neoliberalism that's going on in the West. We don't really, there's no really a, a political character. We're just kind of trying out different, you know, kind of knee-jerk politics in, in different ways. And uh, we're typically uh, either, we kind of have this big contingent that's, you know, the, the, the more, the smarter people, the more Western educated people are very bought into the European Union, you know, full-on Davos-style neoliberalism is their religion. Uh, and if we implement that, then everything's going to be fine and we're going to turn out like Germany eventually. Uh, and, and all their protest signs are in English for some reason. I don't know why. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so so the, the, the all the mind viruses that you know and love uh, from the West are, are, are deeply permeated into into the character of, uh, of you know, our upper class in a way. Um, the people who speak English and the people who, you know, are, are interested enough in these memes, uh, these high-status memes to, to to be talking about it uh the the kind of the the, the middle class and lower class i mean if you could even call it a middle class not much much like that um are you know essentially kind of have basically you know orthodox religious instincts especially after communism because that that was yeah that was not allowed to be fully fully orthodox after communism everyone got a bit more religious fervor um but it's also like a, a little bit knee-jerk i mean there's not really that super deep spirituality uh it's it's a bit more like uh, almost like pascal's wager style religion where it's like yeah we're gonna we're gonna put all our bets on on red here <laughs> because you know you don't want to fall out with with god so uh which i think is you know better than none <laughs> in a way um and yeah i mean i think that's uh i i wish there was some some interesting you know intellectual you know, movement thing that's just going on right here that I could report on. But unfortunately, there's a lot of like mimetic, uh, I don't know, backflow from <laughs> from from Europe and from from the US. Um, well, and- you are you are it in a way you could say you are part of the uh, intellectual dark that's- web of. Uh- <laughs> but that's surprising. Oh, God. To- oh, God. I've been excommunicated um- from the intellectual dark <laughs> but, web. But that's surprising to hear because Romania produced some of the greatest, I would say, um, whether you have disagreements with them, some of the greatest dissident intellectuals there ever was, like um, some of them being polar opposites of themselves, two in particular, one on one end being um, Emil Sioran, Emmanuel Sioran, and then the other and the other end being Mircea Eliad. So I'm really curious as to why Romania hasn't uh, kept up with kept up the game with edgy dissident intellectuals besides Alex Kashuta, of course. And uh, well, I'm not going to say V I wouldn't consider him an intellectual for obvious reasons, but uh, I don't know. (laughs) You know, you know, the YouTuber V, you know, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, of course. So, yeah, <laughs> I think that there might be some like underground Romanians. I mean, you know, people who are Romanian, but they're just like, you know, I'm I'm kind of nominally Romanian as well. I don't really interact that much with the Romanian intelligentsia. Um, you know, there's not much going on here. So I'm I just kind of skipped town and like uh, mentally migrated to, to the U.S. <laughs> to, to chat to you guys. Um, but um, yeah, I think we've had like this this kind of amazing renaissance or even it's not really 
times because it was like the only time that Romania was like kind of powerful intellectually and produced, you know, produced Brancus and produced like Choran and, and all these people, Eliade. But that was kind of like a little bit of a breather just, just at the turn of the century and uh, people who gravitated towards Paris and Berlin, uh, Vienna partly. So they were kind of part of that scene rather than, you know, something that's very, um, you know, homegrown, you know, they all left. You know, and I wish there was something to say, like, you know, the, the Bucharest school of uh, philosophy, but, you know, except except for some uh, for some genetic reasons, they, they all kind of were part of more of the Parisian scene and kind yeah. of interacted with yeah. that more. So is there a connection between Romanians and uh, French people uh, genetically? Is there a strong uh, link? Um, well, as as far as as we are Latin uh, in the sense of Romans, um, and I guess you know, as as, as far as uh, you guys are also Roman, I think that's kind of the only the only basis. But the admixtures are obviously very different. Uh, you know, we've got uh, we've got Slavs here, partly. We've also got quite a, kind of a Turkish like uh, Tatar uh, populations in the south. Hungarians, lots of Hungarians. I mean, I, I come from the part of Romania where you know my my heritage is like I'm I'm Polish, I'm Czech, I'm German, and I'm Hungarian, and I'm like I have a sprinkling of Romanian in there as well. So <laughs> it's quite a melting pot in in this particular region in Transylvania. So who mm. knows a little well, bit. Well, if you were in the United States, they would tell you to check your pr privilege. Oh my God! What a fun, <laughs> what a fun. Oh yeah, <laughs> all 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 like bleach blonde people in this exactly the... <laughs> exactly but i wanted i want to get to uh one of your Substack articles which i uh was really interested in, uh by or in, i don't know what the right word here is where you talked about the uh upper classes of uh, various places regardless of where they come from how uh there may be a problem in uh how do i say it in having a um what was that word i keep forgetting that word all the time but it's basically uh people be oh well God. no people being able to go up the economic ladder people being able to integrate into this higher class but once they're in the higher class then it's um difficult to uh i, I don't know like could you say a little meritocracy bit more about... you mean yes meritocracy yes so yeah. what would be your argument against uh, meritocracy um, I think, you know, meritocracy in, in the abstract on paper, like many things, sounds, sounds like a, a great deal. It's like, you know, it's, it's the uh, aristocracy of the competent. Um, and essentially, the, the issue that I highlighted there is that um, if you if you have this globalized system and you have, you know, the, the brain drain come because I've been part of the brain drain. I've, I've went I lived in the West for, for 10 years and I've been part of the the people, the movers and shakers making money there and, and stuff. Um, the problem you have is that you you completely uh, folk, you know, you focalize these these centers. They they kind of they harden. These people don't, also don't really reproduce that much. So essentially, you're just kind of you're you're moving through this this human capital, uh, where you're just um, you're emptying the possibilities of the places where these people leave from. Because the the thing is, if people leave uh, in in limited numbers, that's fine, because a lot of them will come back because there's something to come back to. But I think a lot of the countries in the West have crossed a certain threshold where the countries that people leave from are literally so emptied out and so barren and so so messed up 
that uh, people don't want to come back. So essentially, you're just, you're just creating this hyper elite competition at the center stages where you have, you know, London, Paris, New York, whatever these these kind of clusters of intelligence happen, where you just have these people elbowing their way to to get up of you know more strivery ladders, uh, and then you have these wastelands at the periphery of people who you know are just waiting for their shot to leave if they can if not they're just you know biding their time um yeah. so obviously you need to <laughs> you need to think about you know how important is intelligence i think intelligence is quite important uh some people say it's not important and obviously this, this theory is uh you know completely bankrupt in that perspective but uh if you if you buy the assumption that you know there is such a thing as human capital then yeah then then this is a bit of a problem and the, the another point that I was making in that article was that you know you you get to these points. It's actually quite easy now to be part of the meritocracy because these companies seek you out. You are very precious. You need to you need to get to the to the center and you need to make money for whoever Facebook, whoever wants you because if you're good enough, you're going to get there. Um, so it's it's not like oh you know people don't have avenues to get there. No, and you're if you're, being and, if you're uh, and if you're Indian, then they're going to seek you out and that brings us to our guest indian bronson <laughs> who is here yeah seek and you shall find uh, also i wanted to get <laughs> it's true, it's true. thank you thank you for coming once again indian bronson my good and also before we get to indian bronson i want I to, to uh, no shill Oh, yeah, over here. Tonight, yes. yes. So tonight we are having the Break the Rules Argue My Position, Nationalism versus Globalism with Dario Rahim and Joel Davis. They are going for it. Uh, Dario is going to vouch for nationalism and uh, Joel is going to vouch for globalism. It's uh, one <laughs> of our great uh, reverse debates. I'm very excited for that. That is five o'clock and we are going to see a link to it right after the stream concludes. But also I sent the link in the chat. Go there. Set a reminder and one once again, subscribe, subscribe, and subscribe. Как говорил великий Ленин, учиться, учиться и учиться. Do it. But yeah, so I wanted to, before we get to Indian Brunson, I want to meta Nomad's take on the IQ shredder. But Alex, um, you you talk about how you are a product of this brain drain. Like, for, for example, you met your husband. Uh, he is from New Zealand, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of, my, one of my favorite current wrestlers is actually from New Zealand, from Auckland. His name is Jay White, and he is leader of Bullet Club in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, so, yeah. Um, but so, Meta Nomad, take it away. What is your opinion on the sort of like Nick Lance Bandrel IQ Shredder concept? Um, it's a, as I understood it, that was just the idea that in, in cities are IQ Shredders in terms of, you know, you're not, it's no longer like a, a eugenically a eugenic place where you're pushing to have the the greatest iq and you're no longer abiding by when you would used to have tradition traditions which would probably put uh aristocratic families with other aristocratic families i mean i don't have a a huge real take on it um it, it is what it is <laughs> i mean that's no, no, that's a really boring <laughs> thing to say but like it just seems to be almost like a drop in the I mean, intelligence for land is is the big the big thing and it's how you get anywhere and of course it yeah. that's sort of a problem in terms of intelligence in relation to entropy like if you keep going that way eventually you're not going to be able to sort of bring it up again without any certain struggle um you know there's not going to be like a nationwide higher iq um yeah i mean that's just what the west's doing right like 
and intelligence the, will soon yeah. be decoupled from us. It will destroy the Kantian project of reason positing an outside, and the outside itself will take over in land scheme, if I if I recall. And, and yeah, I mean that was the idea in the nineties, I think, uh, when they were yeah. all then they were really optimistic. But nowadays, um, I don't know. I'm I obviously wrote the whole Zedek thing to sort of go the other direction and say that if you accelerate things, you still accelerate, but the accelerationists tend to forget about all the, the negatives flying off from the acts they're doing and the fact that they're drawing on resources and things like that. So you have to remember that, you know, the basic principle of every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And if you're going to accelerate massively in one direction, then the other direction is also going to um, bow its head. And, and, and you can't just forget about that, which is why, you know, I think in terms of that IQ shredder concept, the, the general, the future seems to be, will be an organically produced patchwork where people who are more competent just band together. And mm. then it just seems that, you know, and then there will just be places where it sounds really stupid, but there'll just be places where everyone's really thick. It will be idiocracy everywhere. Yeah. yeah I mean, we're not, I mean, idiot, we're not far off idiocracy at all. Are we? I mean, if you, you know, the, I remember watching idiocracy for the first time and the, the TV shows on it then seemed just enough to be satirical, right? There's that show where like, on it where ouch my balls ouch my balls right the guy just get kicked in the nuts but like but like there's literally popular football yeah Yeah, exactly but i mean jackass isn't too far from that and there's literally popular youtube channels which have millions of subscribers which are literally that concept so we're not human yeah although he's a wrestling fan (laughs) you're you're a you're a connoisseur are you oh oh yeah well i grew up watching deathmatch wrestling so that was (laughs) Um, and like you know he, he goes to do the test and he literally can't put the the shapes in the holes and i mean it doesn't yeah. it doesn't seem like we're far from that in terms of we might be able to put shapes in holes but to be to be taught very very basic things now is like there's things that people need to be taught which you just think how well a shape in the hole is actually a good analogy for harder questions when it comes to uh how can you put a certain uh idea a certain proposal (laughs) into the right into the right frame you know what i mean like you can accentuate that whole put up put the shape into a whole thing further down the line but uh, but also like yeah that that could go towards a criticism of landian sort of acceleration would be um if i recall uh john michael greer he has the concept of catabolic collapse where you eat up all of your resources before you get to like a technology solution that can potentially save you and so that could be like well you can't posit a seamless trajectory of technology and artificial intelligence coming because what happens to all of the resources required to just get to that next stage is sort of like the jumping off point that, you know. Well, generally, I think the general rule to go by is when people talk about something coming, if if they've been on about something coming for 20 years, it's not coming. So AI, (laughs) you know, AI, come on, give up the ghost. We're getting, in in the same sense, that we've got with everything we're going to get the lame boring version right the flying cars electric cars that we had in our fictions in the 70s we're getting teslas and we're getting musk's truck we're getting VTubers. and the ai which we plug into our house and does everything in our house magically is actually going to be 50 different google and alexa plugs put into every room and it's like it's kind of just we already have ai it's just distributed into multiple algorithms you know, thousands of algorithms doing, you know, stuff. Because the thing is, they, they work essentially like an AI. They optimize for yeah. whatever thing you pointed at. So They gather information to solve problems yeah. in a basic script. But even like the VTuber thing, like that's another discussion in general about what it means to have like, quote unquote, like the perfect, like 
responsive woman that caters to your ideal GF type that that sort of affirms all of your um, all of your proclivities. And I mean, it's really an interesting question, right? I mean, even like Zero HP Lovecraft's uh, story, um, uh, was it the gig economy or was it, no, God-shaped hole, where now women are getting involved in this and like women will have AIs that cater to their like specific needs. So I wonder what that complicates in terms of human nature and our engendered nature uh, now that we have digital technology that can mediate our desires in such a like seamless way. But, uh, but let's get to Indian Bronson too. Um, yes. Yeah. And here is the uh, here is the meme. I really like the expression on this guy's uh, face over here. Seek and you shall find. And uh, well, oh, one God. question that I want to start with Indian Where Bronson. Where I come from, there's mostly Sikhs, not like like Indians in Ontario. So yeah, you, you, actually, you don't even need to seek. You don't even need to seek more, the Sikhs out. Yeah, they have their own personality. The, yeah, Sikhs are pretty based, actually. I, I fully support Sikhs. Well, they're, Indian they're, Bronson, they're what do you think? They'll, 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 tell you, they'll tell you they're Punjabi, uh, that they're not Indian, which is endlessly hard. <laughs> uh, they, they're, they're convinced. They're convinced that there's something. Uh, what, what well, well in the Punjabi, by, by the way, real quick, in the Punjabi Bollywood film, I know it's not Bollywood, I don't know what it's called, but is it true like they have the main characters always being Sikhs and like the uh, everybody else kind of like the comic relief or like who's... No, uh, no. So, yeah, so, no. There, so if you uh, Google, Google Jutt, uh, J-A-T-T, um, basically, there's there's like a, a community of, of Hindu Kshatriyas who converted to Sikhism, and so uh, so people presume that it's just like okay, well then there's this different ethnic group called Sikhs. Uh, no, they're they're <laughs> they're they're a religious community within an ethnic community. Uh, but sure, yeah, no, sure. Sikh, but in those Sikh, films, Sikh, would Sikh the would the religious community of Sikhs be given the main roles all the time as opposed oh, to the other religious no, communities? It's, uh, no, it's, it's uh, in Punjab. Uh, Bollywood, Bollywood is actually run by a bunch of uh, J two Sayeds, but that's uh, that's <laughs> no, I, I don't mean Bollywood. I'm not talking about Bollywood. I'm specifically talking about the Punjabi movie industry, which I oh, know nothing well, that, about. That, that I'm not aware of. That I'm not okay. aware of. Okay, because that that, that was what yeah. I heard. But uh, he wasn't allowed to view them when he was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we, we, also, got, we, got a, we got a specific program of, uh, of, of wholesome Bollywood propaganda. No, no, no. We also have a question, by the way, from Mehran, uh, our great uh, friend Mehran. And this is a question for everybody, and I would love for you, Indian, to also answer it. A very BTR question to ask every guest in the future. Are you married? Yes, are you married? I'm not joking, but couldn't resist the stupid remark. No, I'm not married. Um, this is, uh, yeah, no, no, no. This is, Do this I is look married? Hold uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll find you a nice girl, Giant. Don't worry. No, oh. no, no. It's, it's, it's an important question because, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the commitments of liberalism, a lot of its pieties, uh, really are geared towards, uh, people remaining unmarried, people remaining childless. Um, uh, you know, I think, uh, post-liberal on Twitter has a, has a wonderful thread on this, uh, you know, having, having children, one of the things that it'll do, uh, and, you know, I've asked my parents about this. They've, they've confirmed it. Um, is it'll let you, it'll let you in on the fact that, uh, all of the blank slate ideology stuff is basically bullshit. Um, kids, kids have a very discernible personality from very early on. Uh, we know that a lot of personality is heritable, um, you know, the, the, the idea that, you know, you have a blank slate and then society influences it. And therefore, you know, from a Rawlsian perspective, you need to set up society such that every individual who sort of enters the world in this, this mystical way, it's, uh, it's bunk. 
Um, well, apparently, if you were a Rawlsian who was best friends with Hitler, you could have convinced him of the veil of ignorance, according to one uh, blue check mark on Twitter. So, that- <laughs> I, you know, you know, I, I saw I saw that tweet also. Uh, the uh, the I would have been Hitler's friend guy. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I suspect I suspect he was I suspect he was joking. I suspect he was joking. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, now, well, uh, where where do you uh, stand? We were having this conversation earlier on about, let's say, more insular communities like we were talking about the uh, uh, Pakistani community within England. And uh, the point that was brought up was that when it comes to uh, divides that were made over time, like you could say the British government was responsible for disseminating the propaganda that all these white British people are against you and they hate you. And as a result of that, the let's say older uncles and aunties or however like i know auntie is kind of a word that's used in the uh indian internet i'm not sure yeah, but anyway yeah. how, how all that, that's them... not quite true no no no, no? i mean so, so uh in, insular insular community is just a function of uh like you you think of it as insular they think of it as just having community uh sure. you see this you see this often in the uh I, I call it the Italian wasp divide in the U.S., right? You know, uh, like yeah, very, true. very sort of waspy people have a view that, oh, the Italians are these hurdy-gurdy ethnics, you know, with, uh, you know, children and old people and, you know, cats and dogs running around the same home. But, um, yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, pigeons they're, they're, they're... in Geo's part. <laughs> it's true, well, we did have pigeons, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I have questions. Um, but, uh, so, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's easy, it's easy to take a view where, okay, uh, this, this community is insular, that community is more normal. It's a spectrum, obviously, it's, it's ethnically mediated. Um, well, sure. what I mean more here Probably. is not just not just insular by itself. What we were talking about specifically is, let's say, uh, the uh, Rotherham uh, uh, gang rape uh, situation, yeah, where yeah. I was I, I was asking like, how come we didn't have like some of the uh, white uh, British people standing hand in hand with the aunts and uncles and cousins of people who were from Pakistan who were totally against these practices of the gang within their community? Why wouldn't they all stand? hand in hand against this i think you did i think you did have that um like i'm, I'm pretty sure so so this is so you can you, you can google this the uh, the muslims involved uh the, the the pakistani muslims involved they're actually all from like a particular district um they're from they're from mirpur so they're called mirpuris and uh yeah no it's just like uh you know they they are this sort of group of thugs and uh, they actually don't have that much involvement in the in the broader pakistani muslim community um yeah I mean, but it, the way that it was it, painted for us at least here in the states was that we had like tommy robinson and all those uh people who were going into the communities and then the people who were within those communities were standing against them like yeah, yeah. I, well, I, they, well, I they, well, they right, were but I just they, didn't they, see, they I were didn't. they were i mean they were because those communities are huge i mean people don't realize that if you go if you go like north of watford um like once once you go out into these sort of uh, they're called council estates and in, in the uk uh, it's like they're entirely South Asian. Um, like they're like they're, they're little pockets of the United Kingdom uh, around London that are just like totally swamped. Uh, the only the only analogous group that we have in, in the US is uh, if you go to Edison, New Jersey, 
Um, oh yeah, you won't, you won't see white people. <laughs> it's just it's totally. I, I really love the Indian restaurants in Edison. By the way, we go there sometimes. You go to Brantford the... here. It's very certain places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, it's it's kind of a, I call it the TPUSA effect. You know, you get an old donor and you put him in a room full of TPUSA <laughs> people, and he thinks, "Wow, every young person is a libertarian." It's like, nah, man, this is just an auditorium. It's easy to fill up an auditorium with two hundred people who are. Mm. You know, but uh, in terms of optics, it would have made sense for some uh, body like Tommy Robinson to, let's say, have people who are from within, not specifically that uh, thug group, because obviously they are. For sure, you know, for sure. Yeah, but have somebody yeah, yeah. at least who was from the neighborhood, somebody who is a pillar of the community, where he can actually then go up to some of the cops there and some of the government officials. Like he could then go up uh, to like yeah, well, the well, mayor well, and say, "Fuck yeah, you!" Well, like well, I'm with actually with also, Tommy with Robinson. That, yeah, with, with that also, there's uh, there's some there's uh i think it was part of the first inquest um there's some there's some question as to whether or not uh police were in on it um and actually involved in uh, in the trafficking of some yeah. of these well all the all the more so honestly for people within the surrounding uh, asian communities to be on the side of tommy robinson here yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely like, I'm just surprised I didn't see the imagery there. Like you said, I'm sure that it did happen, but I don't know. Like the thing that gets me uh, thinking is what are the motivations in terms of like the long plan for, let's say, certain pillars of the Muslim community within these regions where my assumption, and it could be a wrong one, is that there is a very strong tradition of uh, the faith being passed down from master to disciple in terms of Islamic jurisprudence. And uh, when it comes to that, I don't think they would necessarily turn their noses at the idea that, you know, maybe a uh, hundred years from now, 500 years from now, like we're still going to have this system of laws that's been passed down master to disciple. And why not then enact it in this land that we are a part of? Why would oh, that yeah, be yeah, further yeah. That's, away? That's, from, yeah. yeah, no, no, no. I mean, Muslims are often very based about this. Uh, <laughs> if you, yeah. if you, if you really, you know, if, you, if it really comes down to it, yeah, no, no, they, they, they fundamentally believe that their laws are superior laws. Um, this is, uh, you know, uh, in, in some way, you know, more power to them. They don't, they don't play this game of believing that, uh, you know, well, we're just going to be Muslims over here doing our thing. They really do believe that you will submit. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, no, you know, you, part, of, part, of, part of what the, uh, the whole Omerta thing reminds me of is a little bit like... Um, you know, conservative Catholics confronted with the problem of child sex abuse in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Uh, like it's not like they're pro rape or something. Right. Um, but what they what they perceive and I think they perceive correctly is that a substantial amount of the glee in pointing out that like this bishop did that or this priest did all these kids. A substantial amount of that is coming from secular people who ultimately dislike Catholics, who dislike the Catholic Church who dislike the things about it that are good and want to use it as a way to destroy Catholicism. They want to use it as a way to point, uh, you know, to just, to just, you know, to basically defame Catholics. But, but it becomes happen. a, it becomes a back and forth at a certain point though, where yeah, we do have yeah. communities that don't talk about these negative parts of their own community. It's almost like, well, you're not talking well, about it. There's also a so. debate whether, I mean, why the abuse suddenly stopped when a, uh, John Paul II didn't let. Never mind. I'm not going to go into it. Don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. Geo, 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 Your uh, your your last name and your your presumed uh, religion gives you license to uh, to defame the Catholic Church. I won't go there, but uh, you know, yeah, yeah you know, no, no, it, it definitely does become a back and forth. Um, the, the the relationship that a community has to another one. 
you know, on one level, you have to ask, who are these people? Like, what are what are they like? What audience are they playing to? Right? Um, is this really a power struggle between two different groups? Or are they trying to? Uh, are they taking? Uh, are they taking a view where they, we, we've got to have good optics, right, for a broader community that will sort of uh, decide their fate? Uh, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. Um, and at least within, uh, <laughs> at least within the greater London metropolitan area, you know, populated as, as, as it is by, uh, let's say, foreign ethnics and native liberals, um, it's hard to say that they're actually playing for uh, for good optics rather than just, you know, asserting power. Well, the same could be applied, I think, in the grander political uh, framework of having people who are more on the left doing things that would be probably the sole responsibility for bringing up a generation of people who would be dead set against them. It almost seems like every generation you have leftists who shoot themselves in the foot by proclaiming things that people on 4chan love writing about, love posting about, and saying, like, this is what these people want to do to us. So, of course, people are going to get even more radicalized, if you will, not through, you know, just I wake up one day and I decide yeah. to go far right, but more it's like, look at all these things. Yeah, there, there, there's, no, I, I agree. The the problem is there's there's radicalization and then there's actual material bounty. And this is this is something that the right uh, consistently runs up against. So, so currently in New York City, there's a there's a proposal. I think it's actually statewide, but, you know, the effects would be localized to New York City. It's to it's to give two point one billion dollars uh, in, in just cash payouts to illegal aliens who were whose employment was adversely affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Right. Uh, fucking crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like totally it's, it's complete lunacy. Right. From from for, for a number of reasons. Um, Sure, there, there are probably a lot of, uh, you know, well-meaning liberal people who will look at that and say, okay, I get what the anger against illegal immigrants is about now. This is going too far. Uh, there, are, there are probably other people who are sort of inclined to the right now who are just like, you know, they're going to start reading the Sam Francis. They're going to, you know, they're going to get hopped up on stuff. And they'll be like, guys, did you know that even legal immigrants <laughs> vote for the Democrat? You know, there's, there's <laughs> some, some people will hit 2014, you know, at, at high speeds. 2014 um, Steve Saylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or, or Frank, you know, they'll, 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 they'll have some revelations. On the other hand, um, uh, the illegal immigrants and, uh, and the sort of interested parties They'll they'll take the money and they'll have the kids, and so you know even if you've even if you've inspired a little bit of uh, uh, you know a little bit of uh, Saxon beginning to hate in <laughs> in, uh, in in you know one population you've 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 already won the future for for other groups and for yourself, uh, and so the the left is very good at this because they understand that what you're really trying to do is you're not actually trying to win a propaganda war you're trying to secure blatant power dividends, uh, and the right doesn't do that. How do you think the right would be able to do that? Um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. If you, and, and also, I would love for that yeah. for everybody everybody as well here on the panel, but go for it, Indian Bronson. Yeah, everybody I'll, subscribe. Everyone subscribe. Oh, okay. Everyone subscribe. oh, 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 oh wait, wait, wait. Before that, I just want to thank James so much for being here. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. And I would love to have a sewing discourse with just the great Made a Nomad really yes. soon. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to meet you, Alex. Take care. Nice to meet you. And, uh, See you guys. Take Bye. it easy. Yeah, so so even using the terms right and left, this is already uh, like ontologically bad. Um, yeah. Because these are not like in the United States, the conservatives are not really a countervailing force to liberals. But but let's let's use the term. 
Um, if you are a young activist who uh, who sees you know professional opportunity in in service of some ideology, and you're on the right, and you try you try getting money, um, unless you're going to very uh, sort of cryptic forces, uh, well-meaning forces, but sort of cryptic forces, you'll find it very, very hard to get money um, because they, they will approach this stuff with a small businessman mindset where they're like, you know, we want to have, we want to have weekly updates. We want to establish KPIs. We want to, you know, we want to see what our return on investment is. Whereas on the left, right, you know, money sort of, you know, it's, it's like manna from heaven. Um, and why, why is that? Why, why does that happen? Um, well, one group is responding to the incentives that already exist, so they're beholden to the world as it exists today. And the other group of people are creating the incentives. They are creating an ecosystem where if you sign on to their program, you have a, you have a career. If you sign on to their program, you have social advancement. You have enough money for a, you know, a fashionable apartment and Uber Eats. Uh, they are altering the structure of the world and its incentives to make more young people ultimately glom onto their side. Uh, that is a totally different approach than trying to just convince everyone you're right. Yeah. And then there's also the factor of, you know, you, you have strong morality and you have no morality and, 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 you know, no, no, you know, uh, I don't know, normal right-wing person has, has actually made a, a moral statement in the last, what, you know, 20 to 30 years, like a, a real moral statement. It's all about, you know, cutting taxes and, you know, uh, maybe a little bit of, of Koch brothers, open borders, libertarian stuff. It's, it's not, it, that's the thing you, uh, a weak morality will always lose in front of a strong morality. It's just basic game theory. A weak horse will lose in front of a strong horse. Well, he, he yeah. was correct. <laughs> he, yeah. You know, exactly. the, 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 the elder statesman that you're quoting was, uh, was correct. <laughs> no, but it's, it's true. Like, I mean, um, but according to like this fairy on Twitter, uh, Zer, whatever, uh, there's apparently just millions of dollars being an uh, alt-right podcaster out there to take from uh, the Koch brothers or Peter Thiel or whoever. There's millions of dollars in this podcasting, that, uh, which is another issue of, of how um, you see that lefties, like you see like some of the more honest ones, like Movie Blob, uh, Bob Chipman and others, like the, uh, who's the bread tuber? The really annoying well they're all annoying uh sean um saying that uh they're trying to address this issue of like woke capitalism and they're trying to like hand wave it away and as not being an inherent incentive structure but rather just like well corporations just want to make money and they have the the best voting demographic the consumer demographics it's like they're chasing the profit incentives and they're they're not really political at all and so it's this really weird thing where they have to, again, pretend like they're somehow a cultural vanguard on the edges, on the periphery. So it's really, yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a it's a you know it's it's a continuous left wing LARP. You know, pretend you're in the 1950s and you know, <laughs> continue pretending you're in the 1950s because that's that's the religion. <laughs> you know, we we need to pretend like our fathers are beating us in the in the basement with you know with the telephone cord and you're telling yeah. us to pick the switch from the tree. That's uh, but but get that, that was but what Michael like Jackson it. said. Joe Jackson told him to pick the switch from the the uh. olive tree in the back or whatever. <laughs> But still, when it comes to uh, another thing that we talked about in the beginning of the show, which has to do with uh, making sure 
that people who are like in a close knit uh, communities that they retain that but at the same time the father wouldn't beat the wife and again i know it's like a fucking straw man that people offer up when it comes to like oh i don't want to return back to those old days because you have all these problems that occur within the family and look i don't want to return to that either but what would be something that could be offered to the people who are the most concerned about that who would say you know what like family cohesion i love that i think that's a great quality but how about we do without the beatings how about we do without uh you know all the stuff yeah. from the okay. past so, okay. so 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 i offer this up um so you know if you've if you've been following me on clubhouse you know i start some some somewhat incendiary rooms um the average age of marriage in 1980 in the united states for for a woman was 22. Uh, 1980 was not some hellscape of, uh, you know, Mad Men style, uh, casual sexual assault in the workplace. It was not, you know, it was not like the Democratic Republic of Congo tier uh, rape statistics on campuses or something. Uh, 1980 was okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're all, we're all, we're all deracinated, you know, maybe aging millennials here, but you know, you can, you can, you, 1980 was not so long ago that, you know, it's figures, figures largely in the memories of, of those still living. And, uh, you know, 22, 20, 22 is like, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you met a 22 year old woman recently. I mean, it's like, wow, you're a baby. Borderline you know? pedophilia. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, there, there are things that are really nice about it, and then there are other things where it's like, wow, this person doesn't know anything. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a little, it's a, it feels. Well, apparently, yeah, it you are a, a pederast if you're a. Oh yeah, you know, you know, uh, don't, don't tell anyone. I see what they're getting at. I do, I do see what they're getting at. Mm, um, interesting. Uh, yeah, as, a, as, a, as an aged, as an aged and aging man. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I understand what they're, what they're talking about. But you know, on the other hand. And um, uh, that actually, to me, what that really speaks to is, is our total lack of preparation, our, our total lack of seriousness in turning young people into adults, right? Mm. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a degree to which you can, you can come up with the horror stories of uh, being beaten and, uh, you know, women, women were just constantly oppressed. Um, I wonder, though, if uh, a return to... You know, not the 1950s, you know, just the 1980s, just the 1980s, uh, wouldn't impute a, a great degree of maturity into young people that doesn't exist now. Um, you know, being asked to grow up sooner uh, rather than later. And uh, I, I think sometimes people bring up the stuff like the, the husband beating the, the wife and the kids is, uh, you know, it's, it's very hard, you know, once someone has rhetorically invoked domestic abuse, it's very hard to say that they're, they're being unserious. Uh, but I think generally they're being unserious. Uh, pe people were not just like rampantly beating their families in the 1980s. It was not. It was not. Well, apparently um, people that were uh, before the 20th, like not even 20th. Um, there was this discourse a few months ago. I think, Alex, you were a part of this as well. Uh, around these like, you know, herons saying that <laughs> saying that. Um, families before like the later half of the 20th century didn't conceive of marriage having any sort of like love or romantic attraction it was just purely for like brutal utilitarian convenience and dowry and things of that nature that basically moderns invented the concept of filial love in a marriage act and i you know that's kind of like i don't know about that that's kind of sus like our ancestors didn't love each other apparently so they didn't love their children even apparently so I don't yeah, know, Alex, if you remember that. So, 
yeah no i mean bare bare you know remnants of of what can even be recognized as humanity existed before the 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 last century you know people you know nature was red in tooth and claw you know people were pure evil uh and then i don't know the the industrial revolution happened or you know i don't know uh, the enlightenment i think that's 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 yeah. the turning point after the enlightenment people you know became nice because they saw the light of reason um yeah i think that's that's bogus <laughs> i think that's a bit crazy uh i i believe in in, in quite a con- continuity of, of what it means to be human obviously there you know it's, well, it's- well today for example there would be let's say in russia much less of a legal precedent to uh, get a man in trouble for beating his wife. So there, I wouldn't yeah, but it necessarily where in Russia, say. Love. Like if well, you're okay. outside of like the major. Mm, cities, I, I don't know. We, maybe, that's a but... that's a conversation for a different po- time. But when it comes to the legal structure there, theoretically, Lev, like here, the beating this stream. Holy crap! Theoretically, you, you no, no. To because tell us something, Lev. Because <laughs> I, I, I think guys, it touches guys, on, on. I think it touches on an important point here of where exactly the government responsibility lies. So in the case, let's say, of the United States, right? If there was a situation where the husband was beating the wife or beating the kids, then theoretically the wife would be able to call the police on the husband. Now, in Russia, that would not exactly fly in the same way. So there, I'm not even talking about, oh, we went through this transition of enlightenment, now this this doesn't happen anymore. I'm talking about specific, like, legal illegal things in place that would prevent something like this from happening more than it would otherwise. And that's yeah, but, what I'm curious about. But here. even like in the, like, okay, here's the thing we make fun of, I just made fun of those people. But at the same time, when we look at like the question of like, what is, um, what is the nature of love itself in a marriage or relationship? It, they had like our, you know, even our grandparents had a much more robust version of like you, uh, it's something that you grow into. You don't necessarily have this uh, like Hollywoodization media depiction of like, you know, serendipity or whatever that film, if people remember it. Uh, It's sort of like there was a lot of different subtle pressures and influences that determined who you married off and, and how you go into that experience into adulthood. But it, that sort of definition is very alien to especially like millennials who have this conception. Uh, I guess it's started with generation X, this conception of like the pure, I choose you out of the sense of like, like, like love. Ash choosing Pikachu. Yeah. I it's choose like I choose yeah. Pikachu. Yeah. Well, well, what, I, what I would offer to that is, um, you know, intense pragmatism also has its own element of uh, of just pure romance. Uh, so, so there's mm. a book that I'm reading currently. Um, it's, it's 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 a great book. Uh, it's called uh, Nine Years Spent uh, with the Spokane Indians. Um, so it's a, it's a diary of this guy, this missionary, uh, Elkano Walker. Uh, if you want, if you want, like an old fashioned uh, American <laughs> what a, name. What a name. Oh yeah, El, El, Elkano El, Elkano Walker uh, and his wife Mary Wells. So. You know, he uh, he was this guy that was applying to be a missionary, and uh, originally he was going to go to Africa, and so he. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. so well, he, well he, you know he, he's a young man. He's going to go to Africa for ten years, and so he's thinking, all right, I'm not going to get married to an African in Africa because it's the 1830s. Uh, I should probably get married. So he writes into the seminary board. He's like, hey guys, uh, de- delicate matter. Um, should I just do this without a wife? Like, this seems a little crazy, right? And uh, so the seminary writes back to him. 
uh, yeah, you should, you should actually get married before you go. You know, you don't want to spend 10 years, you know, out in darkest Africa without a wife. Uh, so there's this woman, uh, there's this woman, Mary, who, uh, you know, she, she wanted to become a missionary, but we can't send her out on missionary trips alone because, you know, it's the 1830s. You're not going to send a, a young, young, pretty woman out on her own. Uh, and so <laughs> over the course oh, of boy. two months, over the course of two months, these people are writing, they're writing letters to each other. And they're just being, I mean, if you, if you read the prose, it's just, I mean, it's tremendous, right? Um, you know, uh, he, he's, he's writing as a, as a, let me, let me find it. He's, he's writing as a, a solicitor for her heart and hand, you know, they're, they're just, it's, it's very, uh, it's very formal, but it's also, you know, very interested. There's something, you know, sort of simmering underneath that. And uh, they're marrying for a very practical purpose. Uh, they're married for 40 years. They have seven kids. Um, oh, wow. You know, this is, uh, you know, th you know, th there's a, there's a degree to which, um, you know, that I, there's a, there's a show that captures this 90 day fiance. Yeah. Which, uh, yes. Which is, which is based, basically like, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't watched it, but I've heard when I heard the premise and there's another, there's a, you know, when I heard I the premise, the I was like, this is, mother, this is yeah. tremendous. Right. Because what they're, what they're doing is they're saying, you know, your, your conceptions of yourselves as these uh, fully formed, intensely interesting, totally unique individuals who have to weigh a number of possible options before they can choose the idea. Yeah. You're, you're all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to settle this in 90 days. There was this one who I believe was um, a Romanian. No, no, sorry, Ukrainian. Um, well, same thing, close, same close thing. Enough. Yeah, same thing, close <laughs> enough. Um, where she was like, uh, like literally... Um, in her mid thirties, like blonde curly hair. Um, she talked with like the dainty um, Melania Trump accent and she uh, wanted to, she married and went to, I believe Montana or somewhere to this rancher, but he was like a typical, like, um, like even though he was ostensibly this manly guy, he was kind of like a Reddit, like fedora tipper. And so he was like putting off having kids or like getting married in the church and and it was really interesting and now like they have a follow-up season where they're in uh the united states and they have to get married and there's all this like tension and she feels alone and all that crap so it's like i wanted to do a video on my own channel about 90 day fiance how it's sort of like this odd globalization of romantic attraction and now your needs are being offshored to the to the third world or to wherever and it's this really interesting dynamic how we've commoditized even commodified even the sort of like spectacle the way that tlc does where they constantly have to like you know when i was a kid i remember tsc had like documentaries about the vietnam war and stuff like that yeah Not nowadays but um yeah, but, it's, uh, it's labor arbitrage for your heart or yeah, other yeah. organs <laughs> I'm trying to find good statistics now on uh, on how much of the Midwest and how much of the Western United States was actually the result of these sorts of uh, they're called they're called uh, picture brides. Uh, we would mm. call them mail order brides today. Uh, there's a significant I mean, so I've, I'm finding loads and loads and loads of these newspapers where. Yeah, it's just like it's a community of like neckbeard miners <laughs> you know, on, on, on some Western town who are like, we need women. And so they, they put these uh, they put these advertisements up in, uh, you know, papers in the Northeast and they're like seeking wife, you know, needs to cook. And then there are all of these young women who are just like, 
oh, a dashing minor. <laughs> so, you know, families, you know, they 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 exchange and they got the like, equivalent of like an incel to like. <laughs> well, yeah, but they, they you know they exchange these two photographs, and then this woman is just like bundled up and sent over, and then they're yeah, married. Wow. But this like guy they kind of cute. They, they, they all, yeah, I mean, they had kids. These territories became states. Like uh, I suspect a substantial proportion of uh, of people who were alive today, and you know, sort of west of the Mississippi. They're actually just the descendants of these people who just, uh, you know, they just got hitched. And that was that. That happened in Quebec where the uh, Corps de Bois people, they, uh, the French government basically sent prostitutes. So like prosties from the, the Parisian streets over to these uh, rugged wilderness men to uh, and they and that. So if you ever go to Quebec and you uh, experience how the people are like there, then you'll know uh, why. So <laughs> no, uh, I could see I could see that applying for a lot of people. And I agree with you, Indian, that uh, like I always say, I think people uh, ideas have people more than people have ideas in many circumstances and people aren't these special snowflakes that must have a b c and d checked out because a lot of that is also the result of propaganda and advertising their whole lives that they've associated with themselves as opposed to there being something beyond that at the same time though if we're talking about like the pyramid of things to take care of here that's more of a psychological uh, emotional kind of like uh, the society leaning on to somebody to make a certain decision that later on maybe they'll find you know that was the right decision but if we're talking about force that's the one problem that I have with a lot of these things where it's not so much about, hey, like we're going to propose that uh, you're going to be sent out to this minor and maybe, you know, you spend some time together and you're going to like it. <laughs> but more of like you don't have a choice. You can't get away yeah. from this guy yeah. and you're going to be stuck there forever and he's going to beat you. And I know, again, like about the women beating, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm no, specifically I, talking yeah. about like legal okay, precedence we here. talk about something yeah. else? Please, right after that, I just God. wanted to make the legal precedence here known and just figure out like – is there a solution to this or the, is it always going to be a catch 22 when the it comes question to is that you know like where does sovereignty lie that's essentially the yeah, big exactly. question yeah. here and you know yeah. because the community doesn't exist anymore the state has jumped in to, to fulfill these functions to save you from your husband to take your child away because you're not wanting to you know, transition him or her or whatever new new you know flourish that the state takes on as, as its responsibility uh, I think sovereignty has to lie at the at the most basic level that we can plant it at the moment it is the state um and in a way it is good because there's no <laughs> there's no other person jumping into to save you from your husband but i think that's that's a, a, a not an ideal situation uh and it's not it's not sustainable it's not it's not a, an equilibrium it's you know it's decaying or you know you essentially you're you're slowly building a totalitarian system like this you know, we see this every day, the fact that, you know, the government can come and tell you how to raise your child and, you know, maybe intervene in, in the smallest infraction or something like that. This is not an ideal thing. It's going to collapse well, in on what, itself, hopefully. Well, well, what do you think of uh, you? You had a bit of a spat with uh, Radfem Hitler. Uh, you were talking. <laughs> God, I can't believe the, the name. Wait, you is were, that the uh, actual name? Radfem Hitler? Radfem Hitler. She has wow. some good takes. I Maybe we should invite her on the show. Um, she said it should be required reading for men to uh, watch a 90 Day Fiance lest they get ridiculous ideas about E-S-E-A Latina women. Ah, damn. I, ah, my hopes are dashed. Uh, but but Alex said needed context for people asking of coming to Eastern Europe. So this is like the OG, like alt-right, like 
manosphere types that go to Eastern Europe to uh, like writing books, like how to bang uh, the Ukraine or something like that. We, 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 should, or, get, or, we should get we should get Rush and uh, and Cernovich. Yeah. Ah, well, oh, Rush is Rush has mended his ways. Get... He's not even selling his old books yeah. anymore. Well, well, yeah. Well, that's 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 what I mean. You know, I, I oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I I believe I actually do believe that that Rush had a had a, gen, a genuine conversion. I believe he really had a come to God moment. Maybe it was influenced oh, yeah. by getting older. Um, but I, I, I believe I, I take him at his word. Oh, what about uh, uh, Matt to uh, do the Philippines for me? <laughs> well, he's, he's changed too. He's gotten rid of all of his old books and his videos. And now he's solely focused on publishing. They've hit the wall, guys. I have the do the Philippines. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm still, I, I'm still keeping I, I, I disavow uh, in, in general, when, uh, when men from the West talk about Southeast Asia and how pliant the, uh, the young women are there. Yeah. Uh, that, that's when I leave the room. That's when I leave the room. They've never but, met uh, Indian you women. You know, uh, well, no, not, no, no, for other reasons, for other reasons, I leave the room, uh, which, <laughs> I, which I won't impute to anyone, but uh, you know, it's, it's a very, there's a particular type. I'll say that. Um, yeah, no, 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 no. I, so, so this is this is an old cope uh, in in the manosphere. It's the idea that there are these you know Slavic milk maidens who are just these like <laughs> you know clueless clueless teenagers running around to uh, you know they they're they're sprung from the head of Zeus uh, just wanting to please a man and, and make food. Uh, whereas yeah. you know here in, here in the West, it's just uh, it's just it's all it's all product managers. <laughs> you know? uh, it's uh, yeah. This oh, is this gotta is gotta move this product. Uh, the Ukrainian they're selling low we gotta get we gotta yeah (laughs) this photo by the way of these russian maidens this is from uh i believe like the early 1900s like 1910 or something like that this is one of the first color photos this is not colorized this is the actual colors of the photo i just find it to be a really interesting photo like think of how how long ago that is i don't know they don't seem that happy i mean i could be wrong but their faces just seem so mm, well like, I, I don't know pu- public gaudiness is not uh, as you as you well know uh yeah, yeah uh, pu- public gaudiness is not a feature of of, uh, of baltoslavic peoples um you know you're, you're, you 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 may be we we may have uh, we may have directed no, you but... but but in general like this class of russian uh, serfs back in the day I do think that because of the Mongol conquest and all this other stuff that happened, that they do have more of a Slavish mentality, like not Slavic mentality, but you know, like oh, Slavish yes, mentality. Oh yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I see like you. they're much, they're much easier to um, put the boot on, as we've seen with like the communist regime. Because back in, let's say, the Decemberist Revolution of the early 1800s, you had noble nobles who uh, rallied against the government. They were sent to these prison camps uh, in exile, along with the um, uh, lower uh, class serfs. A lot of the serfs didn't survive, but a lot yeah. of the nobility did, yeah. just because they had more of like a positive family influence yeah. uh, that kind of you know kept them wanting yeah. to live. Yeah, no, there, there's. I'm I'm sure you know I won't speculate, but I'm sure there's a degree to which you know if compliance is survival. Uh, you know, future generations will be a little bit more compliant than that. Yeah, and and there's uh, kind of a, a adverse selection as well with uh, with mail order brides and why because you know you kind of select for people who will have a um, kind of a transactional relationship to get a green yeah. card. You know, it's not like yeah. you're 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 going like to a, the tradwife farm in the in the countryside. This girl won't like know about Rosemary. the. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I am noticing something uh, interesting. When I was last time at the sushi restaurant in uh, Brooklyn, 
in uh, where was this uh, Cobble Hill? You know, very nice place. Very woke though. Like uh, the uh, nurse that I went to, she was from Seattle, and she had all those uh, you know little crappy tattoos all over well, her body. Seattle, you know, there like you go. Mm-hmm. yes. But anyway, um, when I was there, I noticed that a lot of the couples that were sitting, they were like these nerdy Silicon Valley guys who were, I did not see one white girl with them. Like, they were, like, either with, like, black girls, Indian girls, you know, like, Libertarians with Asian wives? Yeah, exactly. But, like, it is, I wonder what is going on, like, today with American Geographic arbitrage. Yeah. Yeah. It's coped. There's There's a degree to which it's real. Um, What I I would tell people is that, like, you know, sure, you can, you can, uh, you know, you can move to Bali and you can live uh, very well for very cheaply. Um, but that you know that's that sort of thing is not going to be an option for everyone and and my my yeah. interest is uh you know you can't you can't have a functional civilization if you know every guy in your society gets the idea well i guess i have to go somewhere else for a woman no but uh, i'm not even talking about going somewhere else like these guys they didn't go somewhere else they were still in brooklyn well, Yet, well all you know people, i mean they... yeah there, there, there was a going somewhere else that preceded that right you yeah know, Well, the kind of family that the girls they were with were raised by may have been different than the kind of families the girls they didn't go on dates were raised by. Shout out to my friend Pill Eater AXA, buddy. Yes, AXA. um, But there's this one, but I think like even just the the impersonal nature of that is a logical extension of like dating apps and online dating culture. Like here, like I'm creeping Alex's timeline here. And, uh, (laughs) So she said the myth of androgens. That's the Aaron. Uh, I forget the last name. The Kamala Harris uh, dot. What's her name? Stepdaughter, whatever. But you have this one in response to Kafafianon, which is someone that Lev is was arguing with, which came up the whole wife beating thing. Um, the app. The app. <laughs> I love this dude. The apps cater to women's desire for high status men and to men's desire for pussy, or else it wouldn't work. The thing is, it's not really women ultimately winning here. It's high status men. Who um seem who seem to carry no moral burden under this woman win men lose scenario. Both men and women follow biological impulses in a free market. The base equilibrium of human po- is polygamy. Uh, pol- polygamy, polygamy. If it's slightly more civilized and the guys are made to pay, someone's got to pay for it. To quote Boogie two ninety eight. Pay pig. Yeah, this is uh, two-sided markets always. Uh, Says men will blindly follow pussy is just like saying women will blindly follow status. The equilibrium is fucked and it just as easily corral 50% of the population into going against their instincts as 5% of the male uh, hoarders even argue harder. Um, But that's an interesting point about the nature of a manor bun patriarchy versus a Pareto patriarchy. As I comically tweeted... uh, the picture of uh, uh, Troy McClure as, uh, you know, in his film, uh, The Erotic Adventures of Hercules. And uh, um, it's funny how people, um, for example, I, I think, uh, Alex, you were interviewing Jeffrey Miller on your podcast, and he goes up about the whole, like, Pareto patriarchy and polygamy thing, how that's, like, totally natural. But how would you sort of, like, sort of square the circle of these newer dynamics in terms of, the quote-unquote dating market and SMV and all of these, to me, dehumanizing depictions of human sexuality. Yeah, <laughs> that one. Um, how do you square that away with people that say that these, like, you know, him or AL or whoever, that say that these things are just natural and that you shouldn't bitch about it because you're probably, like, a low-status cuck that can't get pussy. And it's like, you know, you should just be a high-status male and you got to get good. Like, Yeah. 
I mean, I, I don't want to be, uh, you know, Reddit here and, and bring up fallacies and stuff like that. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's a bit of a the naturalistic fallacy in this case, because, yeah. you know, like gang rape is not only common, but it's it's widespread but in, in the ancient world. And Han- yeah. what was him, the guy that you like, he got into huge nuclear, um, as they say in wrestling, go home heat, uh, Hansen. Not Victor David Hansen, the, the evolutionary. Uh, Robin Hansen. Robin Hansen. He had that tweet and he got into so much shit for it yeah. about how our lineage he's is right. a product of. He's right, though. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess to point it out, it's kind of like if you, it's sort of like the same thing if you know the age of consent loss of by heart. It's like. Yeah. The, the thing yeah. is, you know, in, in, in human beings, there are different, um, there are different impulses. And these impulses have uh, kind of co evolved with social strictures and some impulses are, are really strong because they've co-evolved with social strictures like you know the instinct for hypergamy co-evolved with quite strict controls on on women's sexuality mm-hmm. so once you lift those controls on women's sexuality hypergamy is going to be run away so you the, the final equilibrium is this you know hard hardcore polygyny um which you know essentially if if, if you kind of have a, a system around it you will have harems and you will have you know these warlords having this but obviously this the system in which this happens is mad max this is what yeah. happens you have essentially roving bands of men trying to gang rape obviously because the gang rape thing starts becoming more interesting but that's the you thing know? like even our i've said this before without being like too like off the wall joker mode um i said this about how even in our depictions of dystopian literature or rather well by literature i mean film uh that's really the thing even like the depiction of the post-apocalyptic world as being colonized by our like modernist conceptions of what social dynamics are i mean for example the walking dead you have like every relationship is like female what, what what's the thing um people make fun of uh female-led relationships where they're all either uh gay or like interracial it's like if you had like this is my thing and i don't mean to sound creepy and sell whatever but if you have a situation where the vast majority of the human population has been decimated for whatever reason do you really believe that fertility age women are going to choose not to uh engage in like sexual dynamics no i mean men will men will take pussy by force in that situation that's and i'm not saying that's right obviously but it's just the reality of our conception of what history was in our reality of a conception of what a collapse situation would be is totally dysfunct dis- disjointed from- yeah the, the, the walking dead was not realistic I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, for sure for sure yeah no no I, yeah. I, I you know i would be more i would be more sympathetic to uh so i agree so so you know people i, I think people sometimes misapprehend uh, my position on this um i would be vastly more sympathetic to people saying well you know all this stuff is natural this is just basic human instinct i agree and then these are salutary these are good instincts you want you we we want essentially uh, what we have it would be very bad if women were not choosy it would be very bad if women were not yeah. Yeah. the uh, most eugenic it, force it, in the universe yeah it's it's these are all good things uh what i noticed though is that we're not getting the children out of it and this this is mm. uh this is this is something that relates back to uh the earlier conversation about an iq shredder um you know for all of for all of the you know, I'm, I'm not a perfect person, you know, maybe I could have done my, my, my teens and early 20s a little bit differently, uh, you know, maybe I should have more children than I do. Um, but for all of the sort of sex and, and debauchery that, that kind of goes on, like, yeah, these things are natural, yeah, these things are fun, um, we're, we're not getting kids out of it. 
uh, you know, for, for all of the sort of assertions of, uh, you know, masculine will and then the, the, the pliance of, of, of women to it, uh, there are no babies coming out of this. There, you know, we're not getting the, the high IQ uh, kids with young, young, young parents. And uh, so when, when people make appeals to, to sort of these natural instincts and they're not also talking about taking away the birth control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, what, yeah. They're, what they're doing here is we're, we're not actually returning to an earlier paradigm. We're, we're doing something completely different, which is to say we're going to exhaust, we're going to exhaust the genetic potential of people who have a lot of it to give. And uh, we're going to slowly, but surely we have, uh, we're going to destroy the material incentive, uh, you know, for, uh, for, other, for other people to sort of play along in society. Um, uh, Jules was making the argument earlier on that if uh, the economic situations were to improve, then more people, especially like in the middle class, upper middle class, uh, who got a good education, would be much more inclined to have kids. And I don't remember where exactly I read this, but uh, there was some statistic about how when you're talking about like the actual like upper upper middle class, you know, like high class uh, people, they, have they actually have a lot. Yeah, they have a yeah, lot. Yeah, of no, it's, 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 it's a U-shaped fertility curve. Uh, but what's being lost in that is, uh, you know, people don't just suddenly find themselves in the, uh, in the middle class at the age of 40. Uh, there's a lot of work that you have to do in your, uh, frankly, for a man, there's a lot of work that you have to do in your late teens, your early 20s, your mid 20s uh, to become a high income earner. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. it's it's uh, it's not it's you know if if you find yourself uh, comfortably economically situated, um, and uh, you know I, I ask people to do this in clubhouse rooms all the time because it'll be it'll be a bunch of other tech bros, it'll be a bunch of other VCs, and you know I'll tell them like, look, if you know what a cap table is, um, or if you've actually <laughs> determined what what the allocations are on one, you're not a normal person, right? You have to you have to understand that you're not a normal person. You you sort of wait. What's a cap table? Oh boy, this is, we're gonna turn we're gonna turn this into the investing hour. The, the, okay, no, 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 no. You know what? Let's save yeah, that for so, the so, Indian okay, Bronson like, you know, sewing discourse. You, we 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 could, do, we could I mean, we actually we should we should do that. Maybe maybe in this discussion or another discussion, we should we should talk about easier easier entry into uh, into the VC world because there's there's a lot you don't you don't you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of this stuff that seems like magic that's uh, it's not actually magic. Um, this is, it's not just true for development. It's, it's true for investing as well. Um, okay. But like, you know, um, there, there's a lot of preparatory work that a young person has to do, uh, in order to become worthwhile to marry, right. And particularly if you're male and I fear what is happening to, to the younger male cohorts. I don't mean like young millennials who aren't that young anymore. I mean like Gen Z and lower is we're now sending them a signal that, you know, the game is rigged against you, no matter what you do. Uh, you're, there's not, <laughs> there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so you should just give up. And, uh, you know, the, the yeah. teen suicide rates to me, that is, you know, that is exactly what that's an indicator of, but besides just the young men who are committing suicide and frankly, a lot of young women too, um, besides just people who are committing suicide, uh, what about the people who are just not trying as hard anymore? Uh, they're not taking care of their health. They're not working as hard as they could be. Um, you're looking at one. So that's well, I mean, no, okay. no, yeah, you're on the way, I'm you're trying, trying. but yeah, no, it's true. It's really weird when you get to a certain point after university, you sort of like not care anymore. It's well, really, the, uh, well, Alex, do you notice that too in uh, your community that there are people, community again, like quote community, but uh, yeah. do you notice uh, people also, young people giving up? 
Yeah, um, I think it's 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 partly giving up. I mean, I think giving up is a bigger theme for men. Um, I think it's staying on is a bigger theme for women, where it's like, okay, you know, the the the, the field of play that's been presented to you has literally just been you need to good get a good job, you need to, you know, kind of make it in this hierarchy and, you know, make your money and all this stuff. Uh, and then, you know, this is, there's no, no light at the end of the tunnel. Like you really want to maintain this trajectory that you're on because this is the life you built, you know, you build the life for your career. Uh, and this is, you know, this used to be like an upper class thing, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ago, but this is now literally, you know, the middle class ideal here as well. And, you know, my small community in Eastern Europe and people essentially, this is what they're doing. Um, so it's, it's really seeping down from the top and even though you know upper class people here still have children as well it really is you know i see it replicating we're maybe five or ten years behind of what's going on in like the big metropoli of, of the west but it's you know it's replicating the same it's i think it's it's more of a spiritual virus it's a it's yeah, a it's a it's a mimetic problem um and it's you know it's it's can't describe it in any other way as as runaway individualism it's you know it's, it's the drive for consumption it's the yep. idea that you you want to be the self-making self the the perfect producer consumer uh, and there's no other paradigm that you live in it's you know what are my yeah. consumption options and, and, and once you take away once you take away these sort of healthy outlets uh, you do get runaway consumption like you know geo geo uh, i have you know look you the fact that you're cognizant of the problem means that you can solve the problem Right. Oh yeah, like, definitely. I, I have, yeah. Yeah. No. No. I. I feel, but I feel think. Like, yeah, no. Oh, ahead, no one. Sorry, no. No. No one. No one sort of sets out to become, um, you know, overweight. No one. No one sets out to become unhealthy. Uh, there are things in our evolution uh, that mean that, you know, eating eating sugary foods or eating a lot of carbs or you know eating pizza feels better in the moment than like you know eating broccoli and drinking water or whatever, right? Um, and in the same way with a, a lot of a lot of this sexual stuff, a lot of these uh, decisions that people are making about partners, uh, decisions that they're making about, uh, you know, <laughs> you got to spend every every night going out to bars and, and chasing skirts or you got to, you know, buckle down and do some work. Um, these things are, uh, you know, no, no one is setting out to do the wrong thing. I think very few people are, are making the decision where they're saying, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a slut. I'm going to be overweight. I'm some gonna... people do though. That's the, no, some people, do. some people yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's oh, a lot of area gosh. under the curve. There's a lot of area under the curve. You know, everyone is different. Um, but I think what's really happening is we've taken away so many healthy outlets uh, and we've, and we've uh, created financial rewards for people who are offering the basic and primal uh, choices that uh, it's no surprise that people engage in them. Um, yeah, as fallen students said, that also applies to MGTOW. Uh, that's another, that's probably like men, they like mm. justify giving, like you, you, if you've ever spent time around like MGTOW discourse, like, I don't know, what's the guy's name, Turd Flinging Monkey or whoever. It's like really, <laughs> that's like, they're repeating the myth of like liberal feminism, but just in a different manner of terms of yeah. like, rootless individualism yeah. being a, a virtue. And it's really like, it's almost kind of like, you know, after hearing a lot of that back in the day, as many of us have gone through like a MGTOW, like not a MGTOW, but I guess, well, like a manosphere period it's really like as as much as there's kernels of truth within those discourses it's really interesting to see how a lot of them shaped up or a lot of them like kept going on it's really 
Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's like the, what, what happens when Snoop Dogg turns 60? Is he still doing gangster rap? Is he still, uh, <laughs> yeah. still gonna be, uh, you know, selling drugs and, and slamming these hoes? Well, uh, I, uh, I, I think, uh, Alex, you, you have to go pretty soon right now. We are approaching one twenty four PM and you said that, uh, cause I don't want to keep you over. Uh, when did you say that you, uh, my, my sleep time uh, is yeah. uh, it's probably about in about an hour, so I'll probably turn oh, in. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Because so uh, the last thing that I wanted to uh, talk about here is solutions to the things we were talking about, and one point that I was that I brought up, uh, and that uh, Indian, you said that yes, this does have a bit to do with what's going on, even though I don't really have that much of an idea on how to change the social incentives. Uh, to get away from individualism uh, to the extent that we have it today, there was a thing that I touched on regarding uh, econ economics, regarding our shitty situation, at least in the United States, when it comes to the position the middle class has today uh, versus the one I had before. Now, as far as solving it, it's like, I think people can split into two camps here. The first camp is basically... Um, we have had all these different technological and uh, uh, incentive-driven uh, globalistic, not globalism as much as just globalization, you know, free trade and all that. We've had things that nobody really has any power to fix, and at the same time, nobody really did anything that much extra to put them in place. It was more or less just as society has progressed, this is where we are right now, this is just how history has moved, and, you know, it's such a strong wave that there's not really that much resistance. Well, even, even nowadays, like, we feel even more powerless than ever because most people are caught within a over-socialization paradigm when it comes yeah. to... Uh, the Chinese imported delicacy. Like for instance, we're going back into a hard lockdown here in Ontario. Ooh. And it's like, how are people going to exist? How are people even going to reproduce or meet each other well, and get the chance to form relationships? Well, that, that brings me, that like brings me to the second, uh, what are we going to do? We're going to live, we're going to live in this Agamben horror where that he predicted where we're going to sever every real ritual of human interactivity and communication. And, and it's like, we're, we're going to do this to protect bare life. It's like, yeah. what the fuck is the point? You know what no, I but, mean? But that brings and I could me say to this because uh... I had and I lived and all that crap yeah. and knew all the story, but it's just like, I'm, I get so mad and aggravated and pissed off because this fucking fat piece of shit that runs this place Puts us back into a lock. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, that's all right. No, but but I'm talking about the, Doug Ford, by the way. Yes. Our, our go, off, go off. Go off. Go off. King. Go off. But the uh, the second the, the second view the second view, and I think Geo kind of touched on it uh, with uh, with that beautiful rant. The second view that people have is that sure, while technology progresses and globalism bring me to human rights commission. I don't fucking uh, I don't give a fuck. Yes. Come on, come out. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So while technology progresses and not globalism, I keep using the word globalism, although it may be suited here, more globalization. So while technology progresses and globalization progresses and it's like this force that just moves things on its own well, at the same time, let's say that there is another split here and there's a group of people who believe that while all that may be true, 
there are still big political decisions that were done that we can point to that any Tom, Dick, and Harry with a mind, you know, with a brain on their shoulders can look at and say, yeah, you know what? These decisions really fucked us. These decisions that were made by people, we could point to them. This is what they are. This is what they did. They're fucking horrible. Yes, and if anybody says otherwise, like, I dare you. I double dog dare you, motherfucker, to vouch for these horrible decisions that were made. By the way, I'm not extracted. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm not, I'm trying. Please, if CSIS, RCMP, yes. if you're listening to this, I'm not fed posting against Doug I mean, Ford. It's, Don't it's worry Canadian, about it. It's Canadian police. Yes. They're not yeah, real. It's Canadian exactly. uh, Mounties. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Dud- Dudley Do-Rights, all of them. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, like I don't know. I don't know. Indian uh, Alex, uh, what do you guys think about this uh, divide here where one, one group would say that it's just all organic and it's unfortunate but not much you could do. Another group that says, you know what, part of it is organic, but at the same time, these are horrible decisions. This one, this one, and this one. And they were done by real people. This is who these people were. These were the decisions. And they have absolutely fucked, blown the fuck out of the American middle class, extracted it for no good reason except for the benefit of a very few i mean that's that's about right right yeah there, there's yeah if you watch the uh ross perot uh debate uh, from 1992 i believe no 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 mm-hmm. i mean i may have that wrong uh, 90 or 91 I, yeah yeah he you know he's talking about this uh <laughs> he, he calls it the great sucking sound um which is i mean a hilarious formulation right but he's saying you're gonna have you're going to have American uh, wages just you know, vaporized in this country. They're, they're all going to go to Mexico. And this is exactly what happened to the automotive industry, right? Um, yeah, you know, this is, uh, this, is the, this is the old hat story of globalism, right? There's nothing new mm-hmm. here. Um, and uh, how, how you rebel against it, right? Unless you're in control of national policy, you really can't. Um, and this is, this is something that I, I don't think conservatives appreciate. Um, they're they're never going to win a sufficient number of elections. They're never going to win a you know sufficient amount of power where they can suddenly just uh, you know it'd be based if you could if you could just uh, you know destroy NAFTA, uh, deport all the illegal aliens, and, and maybe offer repatriation incentives to some of the legal ones. You know, sure you could you could do all of this. You could try to take America back to at least the 1990s. Um, probably they're not going to be able to do it. And so if you if you really want to pursue a national future. Um, I think you have to do it at a much smaller scale uh, than people realize. You, you have to do it at like a, you know, a Curious Joel or an Ave Maria Florida size. Uh, you, yeah. can't do it at a, you can't do it at a, at a you know, continental United States scale. But to be clear, when you're talking about NAFTA, and I still have to look at a lot of these different acts that were done, how much of that were uh, just... Uh, smaller pieces that were pushed as far as legislation and how much of it was like some big sweeping legislation that you could say like this is something to focus on because it seems like we're a lot of things people like i don't know alex jones or people of that uh, ilk they talk about things in this grand you know conspiracy like the globalists are out to get us there's no but... there's no conspiracy this is another yeah. thing right like yeah. the idea that globalism is a conspiracy no 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 this has been the mainstream position and openly pursued policy yes. of the united states for a very long time um you know, if you, you like, pe- people should read Mark Twain's critiques of, uh, of American imperialism in Latin America. Uh, you know, it, it, there's, there's no conspiracy. Everything is perfectly out in the open. And then not only is it out in the open, it is the political mainstream of the country. 
uh, people viewing this as like sort of a conspiracy or they're trying to pull one over on you or it's just like, no, they're not. <laughs> this is like, this is, this is like popular policy. This is something that like every elected official for a very long, like, you know, the yeah. majority of elected officials for a long time have supported and they, they've, but they but they don't phrase it in such a way as to say you know what guys we are going to make all this money and you guys are going to be screwed now the middle class is going to be screwed while we're making this money they don't frame it that way so well, what i would be I mean, interested you know yes. i mean would, would they win elections if they framed of it course no 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 no. There, there's, i understand there's, that a, there's a wonderful there's a wonderful song uh that i that i like to play for people uh i'll, I'll i won't do it here because it's copyright uh but if you if you search for the the song uh america first by merle haggard uh, you know, this came out in 2004 and, uh, you know, he didn't get canceled like the Dixie Chicks because he took a much less uh, hostile approach. Um, you know, he, he it's, it's just a total indictment of this program of shipping jobs overseas, not investing in infrastructure, um, you know, getting involved in stupid foreign wars. Uh, it's a beautiful song. Um, you know, this this uh, opposition to the program of what we call globalism. It's been around for a very long time. What it's what it hasn't done is it hasn't like coalesced a serious body of people to say we're just going to have nothing to do with this. We're going to we're going to exit your your political paradigm. Uh, there's an impulse instead, and it keeps being captured. Uh, you know, the, the Tea Party was captured, MAGA was captured. Yeah. Uh, in many ways, the Buchananite Revolution was captured. Um, it keeps being captured to say, well, you know, if we really want to do it, then. We've just got to beat these Democrats. <laughs> we've just got to you know, well, got to elect the, these Republicans and beat these Democrats. And in the eighties, um, the the conservative movement had a choice. I mean, they could have gone with like Buchanan, uh, God, um, Godfried, and others. They could have gone that way of the paleocon. They could have even like, and I know like some people say that would have been endorsing like an implicit way nationalism or whatever. But they could have went that way. But where did they go? They went with like Ronnie Reagan and uh, neoliberalism and. You know, it's now we have this festering mess of conservative politics in America. Um, but, but I want to give the devil as due here and like in BTR as, uh, you know, Indian Bronson and uh, Alex, if you don't know what we do a lot of the times is I try as much as possible to bring people on from a different perspective from or let's say more classically liberal or more uh, mainstream Republican perspective to make their case. And I would be extremely interested in having a conversation later on with you and Geo and Indian and bring somebody on of that uh, environment and just have them make the case. Either I'm just going to be very curious, like, would they say, no, Indian, you're wrong about these policies that uh, really they do A, B, and C instead of X, Y, Z? Uh, or would they then be able to concede, like, yeah, this is what happens and fuck you? Like, what? Ex like, I'm just curious what case could be made then by the uh, opposition in this case. I think the, the, the major libertarian case in which you... you you kind of have to admit it. Yeah, this ov overall GDP rises under these policies. This is the this is the you know overall utility maximizing. If you look at the whole system, yeah, this is how you make the most money. And if you look at it from like a competition of nations, you know, empires clashing. You know, you want to be ahead of China because China might swallow you up like an amoeba. And then yeah, you know, this is I think this is kind of the killer argument that the libertarian has. You wouldn't want to do, you know, protectionist policy politics in one country if you're part of a competitive global market where you kind of TTTU attack each other and stuff like that. Um, I think this is compelling, but also the 
neoliberal policies destroy your essentially the the, the spirit of your country through 7000 cuts uh, and it makes it not competitive with china from from other perspectives yeah. you know like all the stuff that we've been talking Are, about have world. they so have the people who would make that argument have they completely intentionally ignored what you just said right now has it been brought up to them that often yeah well, it's i mean brought up to james <laughs> Lindsay on a daily basis and he still hasn't watched <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to get him james, on the stream i'm trying to get i'm trying to get james on the stream reach out to james please everybody but be very respectful but i don't know indian like, <laughs> we have to make that yes like, qualm be very no respectful. no but that, that is an important one but indian like oh, when it boy. comes to, when it comes to uh what uh what uh alex just brought up how often maybe on clubhouse i don't know this has happened because you are pretty active on clubhouse and i'm going to be more active as well but have people had these conversations in clubhouse or pre-clubhouse with people who are more of that uh libertarian more neoconservative let's say uh uh or neoliberal persuasion yeah. of and and what would their response be to what alex just said right now about this death by a thousand cuts yeah, so I, <laughs> I have a, I have an email chain going right now. There was someone there was someone in one of my rooms who was saying, "Look, you know, I I've used the H one B program, and uh, you know, I I have we had to hire a Chinese person because we just couldn't find American labor." And so, you know, everyone sort of seized on them, and they were just like, "Well, what are you what are you what are you talking about? What do you what, what do you mean you couldn't find American?" He was like, "Well, you know, it's a very simple task," and like I'm I'm you know, he uh, ultimately he hired a Chinese national on the H one B for seventy thousand dollars a year. Uh, you know, to do something that is like, you know, a junior developer job. And it's just like, motherfucker, like, no. <laughs> like, you know, there's so many, like, you, you don't, like, he's he's out of his mind, right? But he had just, he had never considered, you know, for, for what this person is producing, right? You know, he's not getting, he's not getting $70,000 and $1 of profit out of this person. He's getting a lot more. He did, didn't even, the thought had not even occurred to him that it would have been better for the country if he just, you know, just pay, just pay an American junior developer, like, you know, ninety thousand dollars a year. It's not. It's not so terrible. You know, like the the you know, frankly, the work quality is probably going to be the same, and you'll you'll it'll be an easier time speaking to this person because they're a native English speaker. Um, he hadn't thought about that. Uh, it just it really you know I, I think sometimes it's not it's not all malice. It's just uh, well that, that that's the light at the end of the tunnel though, isn't it? I mean that could be a white <laughs> pill that so many people just aren't that aware of alternatives here. And it seems like yeah. what we're doing here with BTR, because uh, again, like when... I have my shoes planted in different uh, camps here, like with the National Arts Club and with other uh, organizations, it does seem as naive as it may be to say that the will to power is so low among a majority of the people today that it's actually not that hard to convince them uh, to go in a different direction when it comes to certain Speaking policies. Speaking of will to power being low, JNS in the chat says Alex was... According to Lindsay, Alex was being too smug. Uh, the counter argument is that Americans are too smug. This is this is, this is just uh, this is how uh, Americans perceive the European affect. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah. There's nothing. There's um, nothing you can do about it. I mean, <laughs> the 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 Lindsay Kashuda spat got discussed in the new discourses premier chat. Um, Apparently, there are many many conversations being had about the the Lindsay uh, Kashuda spat. What is the new? I'm not privy to. <laughs> What is the new discourses thing? Uh, I think that's his 
uh, platform has kind of oh uh, i think counter argument is that americans actually haven't gotten screwed but that un- upper middle class has grown blah 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 but people slip through the cracks uh badly for other reasons yeah well i think when you have such a mercenary like um utilitarian social structure that is the individual is responsible for all things um i i one of, one of the things i wanted to bring up with you alex and with you indian one of my very favorite threads um, this is really a nuclear, nuclear black pill or a red pill, depending on who you are. One of my very favorite threads comes from my very, very good friend, Zero HP Lovecraft. I don't know. This is from 2019. Alex, you've probably read this one. It's it's uh, the, the woman question one. Um, oh, and before that, I just want to quickly say that Zero wishes he could have been here today. Unfortunately, he mm. uh, he is not available right now. He is off site. So uh, yeah, just wanted to get yeah, that out there. He's yeah. a big admirer. Oh, of course. And and by the way, go and listen to the the conversation on the Subversive podcast with ZHP and Alex. That was amazing. I love that one. Um, so I'm just going to give you the Cliff Notes version. Uh, women's liberation is a suicide meme because until very recently in history, women didn't have the choice over whether to get pregnant. Evolution didn't equip them to have that choice. As soon as they got it, they collectively decided to end their lineage. Uh, women just plain don't want children anymore. All humans are a spook. All human rights are a spook, but women's rights are literally a form of slow civilizational suicide. Why? Because evolution can't optimize for procreation. It can only optimize for proxies of success. Alexa, what does Godhart's law say again? Again, evolution did not equip women to carry the burden of the right to choose. They never had any say in the matter at all, and it should not be surprised anyone that they're radically unprepared to choose responsibly. Women, do you not get it you are collectively killing us each one of you defecting against god and humanity with your selfish fucking choices this is dark and satanic power which shit slinging monkeys was never meant to held you have an evolutionary life vest your genes get propagated against or in spite of your desires until now and it turns out your desires are and this is my favorite part hideous 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 so i i know that's Oh my god! <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 pretty it's pretty intense. You you will um, never have to read another Manosphere blog ever again. Just read that thread and yeah. on women by Schopenhauer, and you're good to go. So well, you know, I think this, you know, it's it's, it's, it's a Alex, you take this one. You take. I just one. gave you a, a Michinoku driver, but I dropped you in your head right there, like no. uh, Steve Austin getting dropped on his head by uh, Owen Hart. He broke his neck. He didn't know he broke his neck till a week later. Uh, sorry, I'm a wrestling nerd. You just have to forgive me for that one. So go ahead, Alex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I personally like this thread. It's 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 quite a poetic thread. Um, yeah. you know, I, I like uh, I like almost everything that Zero puts out. He's a he's a very deep thinker. Um, I think you know this is obviously this is about the woman question. I think this is kind of a, a point that you can generalize further and, um, you know, just not, not to zero in on women. Women tend to be the choosing agent of this thing that procreates humans. But I think the, the, the uncoupling from stimulus and response is a, is a, is a big problem that can generalize at everything. Like if you are, you know, just in, in your, in your masturbation, you know, chamber or whatever yeah. were. your goon, goon cave. cave your goon cave <laughs> yeah in your, in your coom cave uh I'm then you're yeah. also kind well, of Alex, voluntarily you... uncoupled from from procreation yeah it's do you know about the gooners by the way alex the goon goon culture no. 
well not the not the something awful goons but uh they are people that believe that masturbation is a form of tantra where they lock themselves in their rooms and they have like multiple monitor screens and they look at por- different forms of pornography for hours on end and they sort of like edge for hours and they and then it's to the point where the slightest touch will get them off and we talk about them all the time and break the rules for some <laughs> well, we're reason gonna have to have another. a compilation oh. of every oh, time, time? caves are all brought up <laughs> Well, it's they're part of BTR bingo. As I've said, they're uh, the last yeah, men it, 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 can, it can get crazy. No, I, I you know, maybe, maybe yeah. I, what I would say is, yeah, the, these are these are sort of um, these are sort of florid and and uh, kind of baroque outgrowths of of what I think is just like a basic misfit uh, between men and women in society. Uh, you should not have. Um, yeah, there's a CNN article that I read. It was something like you know. 50% of all women, you know, between the ages of 25 and 45 are now unmarried. Historic first, right? This is bad. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I've never heard of the goon, the goon culture before. Uh, but from the description you provided me, uh, gross. <laughs> there's is, a, there's like just, a discord. You know, I, they also yeah. believe in paying for pornography. They believe in paying for OnlyFans, and apparently Ayala is quite a popular choice on the Goon side. I, 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 so believe, I, don't know I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, these, these things are like. Uh, um, I mean, there's <laughs> right? like there's, there's something there's something funny about it, but then it's also like you know this is this is tragic. Uh, this is not. Uh, yeah. It's not really <laughs> meant to live. Uh, that is terrifying. Love. What is? It? <laughs> Uh, oh, oh I, I see what's going on here. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, yeah, that's that's something. That's something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean these these things are funny. Um, you know, there's there's a you know, sure these these things are funny. Well, but, is there is there like a gooner really culture in India where don't you have like never, the meme? Not, no, 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 no. I'm just curious because there is like the whole show Bob and the Gene. <laughs> thing going on that yeah, we well, see, even like, even even that right oh, even shit. even stuff like even stuff like open cloth show bobs right um <laughs> even stuff like that like what what you know what's going on here what's going on here is a basic misfit between men and women uh and it's not just american society it's obviously a lot of societies it's, it's, well it's i know people on fortune they've accused you of being that because of your heritage they say that you're like i don't know some kind of like uh Indian uh, infiltrator or some. I don't oh know. yeah, I'm gonna. You know, it's in a few in a few short years. There's gonna be an Indian Bronson compound in, in Oregon, and yeah. uh, you know, I'll be teaching people tantra. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> you're gonna have an Aro land, a, a Bronson land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be, it'll be it'll be it'll be like a wild country, but we'll go with uh, we'll, we'll we'll go with uh, Sig MPXs instead of uh, calico submachine guns. Or yeah. this time, instead of uh, Rolls Royces, you're gonna collect. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Tesla's yeah. Or, no, yeah. I mean, so, so like, but really this is, you know, these, these things, you know, they're, they are funny, but they point at a basic misfit between two parts of the species, right? This is like, this is, this is why it's worth talking about. This is why it's worth writing about. Like the, the mm-hmm. individual failures of finding a mate or, you know, the individual failures of, Oh, I'm a, you know, I'm 40 years old and I have cats and I'm, I'm an unhappy businesswoman. Yeah, these individual tragedies are very sad. Um, that it's happening at such a great scale. Yeah. So many people where, you know, at, at the sort of the, the pointy edges of the bell curve, you get, uh, you know, you get suicides, you get murders. 
Uh, this is just, uh, it's, it's terrible. Right. And like, we can have fun with it. We can, we can, we can have as much fun with it as we want. Um, but this is basically just like the breakdown of, of human family. This is the breakdown of like a, a benign mm. social order that is, takes a very long time to cultivate. Uh, these things don't emerge accidentally. And uh, once they're broken, my fear is that they're going to take a very, very long time to sort of reformulate. And in fact, may not be reformulated. Um, so, so in the old days, it would be more of a matter of fact that you would have, let's say, less attractive women who still have a good heart that would uh, be with these less attractive the guys. Only would that be? Uh... You know, I, you know, so, so one of one of the things that I've been doing, looking at these uh, these sort of uh, picture brides, sort of mail order brides, is, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they didn't. They didn't have. There was no Sephora in the 1800s in uh, in Colorado, you know. Uh, but there was also, you know, there there wasn't. Uh, you know, there, you know, they they didn't have GQ either. Uh, you know, yeah. Some of some of these people look. I guess you would say plain. I will notice. Uh, basically, no obesity. Um, and maybe it's an artifact. Maybe it's an artifact of, of the cameras. But uh, you know, you don't see you don't see the same sort of seed oil, uh, yeah. <laughs> modeled skin sort of thing that that a lot of uh, young people have going on today. Um, well, th yeah. that's like the lyrics, for example, of uh, a wonderful song by Weird Al Yankovic, Amish Paradise. As I walk through the valley <laughs> where I harvest my grain, I take a look at my wife and realize she's very plain. But that's just perfect for an Amish like me. You know, I shun fancy things like electricity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And this is this is actually part of the, um, you know, the, the, the pragmatism of romance. There's a there's a wonderful conversation going on on Twitter right now between uh, Helen Roy and uh, default friend. Um, oh, shout out to this. default friend. And uh, yeah, yeah. And and what 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 Helen is talking about is, you know, there's this idea that oh, all all 40 year old women are ugly and all 20 year old women are hot. Uh, no, but, that is not true. You know, As someone it, who likes older women myself. Uh, well, but, well, well. See, this is the thing. This is the, the thing. I, I, I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's necessarily about this. Like, sort of. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna. I, I don't mean to. I don't mean to insult you, Gio. This like coom brain thing of like. Uh, oh, milfs. I don't think. Yeah, I, no, I don't but think there's. Talked about. But, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Another but, well, topic. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm yeah, hugely. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not hugely about it. <laughs> we, we, have <laughs> but, to get, we have to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a different. It's a different. It's a different conversation. What, yeah. what I mean oh, yeah, is that. What I mean is that you know, um, contentedness and and love and romance. These things grow over a longer period of time. Mm. And just an immediate sexual attraction. One yeah, of the things yeah. that we've created in modern society is. Uh, you know, if something is not immediately sexually attractive, it's terrible, right? You know, like, if you look at these pictures of these sorts of, you know, kind of plain women, I guess you could say, uh, who are picture brides, you know, maybe someone could say, oh, I would have swiped left on that. And maybe you would have, right? Maybe in, if they were on Tinder, you would swipe left. Um, but these are, these are people that raised entire families. These are people that created an entire civilization. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe you're, maybe the sort of the, the inclinations of, uh, <laughs> of the modern world and its smartphones and its its internet porn are not really what lies at the bedrock of a, of a loving marriage of a long lasting marriage and a family right and i think like uh this she actually follows me um tishray says it's hard being a girl on twitter because people just have so many expectations of you then you just create in your head and if you deviate from them you're not who they thought you were it's kind of true i feel that it goes again with what we were saying um uh, 
meme analysis i'm sure he's a sociopath oh my god but meme analysis is uh quality poster when it comes to this question of the the digital anima and how we sort of the male gaze imparts a certain expectation of you know the mommy gf thing is uh, an expression of this sort of detachment of not just libido but something that is deeper something that is going towards um a very very broken relation between men and women and this need of men to find a caregiver provider in the one in the other the the female other the the mother archetype so it's kind of like what what uh tishrae is saying is correct in that if you're like a woman poster on twitter then immediately you have like two camps you have a parasocial relationship where guys are like expecting you to be this like my base trad cottage core waifu that i interact with on twitter and the other one being that you're a thought you're an e-girl you're doing this for attention you're whatever right no e-girls never sort of deal and it's like a very interesting like i can almost empathize not that i can understand but i can sort of see that argument in that when you are a woman that is in these male predominantly male dominated online spaces then you do have these expectations of you are fulfilling a desire for like why can't my wife why can't my girlfriend be like alex kashuda and it's like you know what i mean it's this weird dynamic going on it's like i don't know i don't know yeah i mean of course my friend verse laloon is uh uh saying gonna cry <laughs> I, I love you verse but um oh that's <laughs> yeah but this is this is no this is this is this is a real thing and like and, yeah. and you know i you know i take the view that like okay i'll <laughs> you know incels and and uh sort of like you know the slutty career woman like these we can we can have as much fun with them as we want and you know right i <laughs> i'm i'm certainly i'm certainly guilty of making a lot of jokes but um, but no, to me, this is this is like really when it comes down to it. Don't we want to have a society where most people stand a decent chance of finding someone that they love? Most people stand right. a decent chance of becoming grandparents. And to me, that's, you know, um, <laughs> it's like, Bronson, why do you have such fashy politics? Well, because, you know, babies are adorable. And, you know, yeah, I, yeah. You know I, I, I like families, ultimately, is what it comes down to. Um, you know, I... I babysat my younger cousins uh you know i've held other people's babies this this is it's just it's a it's a wonderful precious thing and the fact that so many people in the society are being robbed of it uh i think yeah. it's a terrible terrible crime uh, because it's been, i mean what what are what are we really what are we what are we exploding all of these uh you know older civilizational paradigms for we're we're doing it so that uh we're <laughs> You know, we're we're doing it so that more more alcohol can be sold and more vacations can be booked and uh, you know more more Uber Eats can be ordered. Uh, we're, there's no we're not even we're not even going to Mars. <laughs> you know, we're not we're not doing something so profound yeah. for a civilization that we could throw all of these things away. It's, we're not in the uh, Warhammer 40k universe where yeah. we have to uh, you know create clones of ourselves. We're all and, these uh, Giga Chads that are going around the universe and yeah. fighting aliens. We're, we're yeah. maximizing utility. Yeah, but, but, maybe, but, yeah. but maybe that is the thing. We don't really have a challenge that uh, kind of grips us and forces us in a way to keep this thing going. It's almost like there are rare people out there like the Buddha, for instance, like Gautama, who lived in the lap of luxury and then decided to forego all of that for the sake of enlightenment. 
Meanwhile, most people, if they were living in the lap of luxury, they'd probably do drugs all day and uh, kill themselves, uh, you know, achieve, achieve enlightenment that way, so to speak. So yeah. well, that's... If, if in there, 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 utility yeah. functions collapse, then there, there, we'll, there's we'll a, come there's back a degree to, to which, Yeah, there's a degree to which I think you, you have to. This is, this is kind of why I was talking about, like, smaller communities. Um, you know, Curious Joel and Ave Maria, Florida, and uh, Islamburg, New York. I'm not making it up. They really, yes, <laughs> they no, really, I'm aware. They, they aware. really named it that. Uh, you know, they're they like, what, what do, we, what do we call our town dedicated to Islam? I know, guys, Islamburg. Uh, well, it all started. It all started from uh, prisoners, right? Like they were prisoners yeah. who converted to Islam, and then they uh, made their own thing. And people have like there were reports from people talking about there being guns in the area, and then other people said, "No, there are no guns. You racist." Yeah. Like I don't know what exactly the the real story yeah, is behind it's, what they're uh, doing. You know, there. it's it's uh, it's well, who's you know who's converting to Islam in prison? You know, that's it's sort of. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we won't go into it, but it's a point of scale is, is, is the point that's important to understand. Like, you, you know, these things are not going to change overnight. You're not going to reorder all of society overnight. And maybe you will have to make economic choices uh, that are you know, sort of less glamorous, I guess, or, or, or less involved in the maximization of, of, you know, shareholder profits. It's ultimately good for your family. It's ultimately good for your people. Um, you know, if you maybe maybe not everyone can move to Transylvania, uh, but, you know, but, you know, I, I think the most important thing for younger people to do is to seriously evaluate, like, what, why are you in the rat race? Like, what is it really for? And if you aren't preparing for uh, a family, if you aren't preparing to take care of your own family, uh, you really you really need to interrogate what your other goals are, uh, because, you're, you know, if you if you die tomorrow, Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your role is. You could be a CEO. You could be, uh, you know, a junior developer. Doesn't matter. If you die tomorrow, uh, by the end of the week, they'll they'll have a job description written up for you. In fact, uh, the more important you are, the sooner they will be looking for your replacement. In fact, um, whereas your family and friends will sort of miss you forever. Uh, yeah. So I, I think mm -hmm. a, just a, a reevaluation of what. Uh, I'm sounding like Marianne Williamson here. I promise I'm on the right wing. Uh, you know, sort of a, a reevaluation. You know, maybe we'll maybe we'll pull her over to the dark side eventually. Uh, but just a, a reevaluation of what what is important and you know what it is that we want to be encouraging. Um, it, it, yeah. it truly, in, in relation to sexual decision making and relationship, because it's it's it shouldn't be so delinked from family. It shouldn't be so delinked from from romantic partnership. Um, yeah. these, and, are the, these are making it high status, you know, to, yes, exactly, exactly. To, to want to have a family. It is, it is, it's pretty low status. And it's also really like you, you put yourself kind of in voluntary isolation. If you want to have a family before your time, before you're 37 and desperately clinging at some IVF, you know, it's. <laughs> that that's like oh are you sure you want to throw your life away at uh, the tender age of 34 uh, you know it's you know that that kind of needs to needs to have some high status proponents that are you know unapologetic about what they're doing why they're doing it and maybe show that their life is pretty good and that's why i'm i'm also you know i'm not like anti-trad or anything i'm, I'm also not very, very much a cornerstone of the trad community but i'm really i'm happy that people are putting these like memes out there as cringe as they are but they they reflect yes. a different lifestyle yes. to the the normal like you know get banged up in a i don't know whatever a shitty apartment in new york for your 20s and 30s because that's 
high status. It's not high status. And I think that the more people see how not high status that is and how nice and lovely it could be to, you know, can some some vegetables and have three kids, you know, why not? You know, the, the more the merrier. Show us more of that, please. I, I look forward to the garden posting. I look forward to the yeah. garden Yeah. Well, I have a question <laughs> about the garden posting, which is if I were to have a, a decent sized lot uh, for uh, making a garden that would be big enough, let's say, to feed five people in the household, how much work would it be for me personally? Like, assuming nobody else helps me with this, assuming it's just like my thing, do I have to like wake up early in the morning? We're talking like potato, uh, tomatoes, some corn, some uh, herbs, chamomile, uh, you know, like basic things like that. If I were to grow that kale, of course, you know, like the leafy greens, if I were to do that, does that mean that I would have to have a farmer's lifestyle, waking up early in the morning all the time and uh, having time away from drawing, making my art, doing the streams, and uh, as well as family time, and just concentrating on this fucking garden? Or is it not like I said? I'm not I'm not the, the biggest garden poster, but uh, <laughs> as far as I can understand about, you know, these cycles, you know, there would be, you know, a few a few weeks a year where you'd have to be really intensely preoccupied with the garden and, you know, planting and, and sowing and all the stuff. Spring would be pretty busy. You'd probably not be like doing lots of sketches and stuff. But most of the time you'd kind of just kind of have to tend and then supervise and then you have harvest time and, you know, fertilizing. I mean, you'd probably make use of some modern technology as well. You wouldn't necessarily necessarily you know be plowing by hand and shit so yeah i think you know if you want to dedicate a few a few weeks a year to to this project of growing food i think you could do it there's lots of cool like homesteading you know permaculture yeah. type people on on twitter but what is it mostly like is it watering because if it's watering can't i just have an ai system of garden hoses that go off at the right time and, and like you should I, just some go to the that, store yeah. man <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because I want my own stuff. I want to know where it's been. I want to know how it's made. I'm not saying that I'm not going to occupy time doing it, but I just want to, you know, leverage uh, the yeah. technologies that we have today. You That's can set all. up sprinklers. It doesn't have to be an AI. This <laughs> is like a little sure, clock on it. <laughs> Okay, so just like sprinklers at the right time, they just set off and they just go and that's it. That's, I mean, what exactly is the need to go out that much and work on it in the springtime, though? Like, what is the major thing? You to need to prepare the soil, you need to fertilize, you need to add new soil, you need to make sure that, you know, kind of irrigations set up properly, that, you know, the, the land is, uh, you know, that's turn over based on seasons, yeah. Yeah, planted specific crops, uh, you know, you can't really plant the same, you know, it, it also, there's a lot of stuff happening from season to season, you need to, yeah. you know, maybe do crop rotation, all sorts of shit like that. Obviously, as I said, I'm not a specialist, but you know, I've, I've just spent almost a week just like knee deep in, in the dirt. So I, there, there's stuff to do, you'd be surprised. Yeah, see, this is why we should live in the Pokemon world. I do a Pokemon live stream, by the way, every Monday, Pokemon Day. Like if we had Pokemon <laughs> to do it for us, that would... okay, I'm not gonna get into the Pokemon right now. You have to enslave but, uh... Pokemon to <laughs> But uh, oh. either way, like uh, Alex, I just want to thank you so much for doing this you are incredible and you are somebody that uh as well as indian bronson as well as made a nomad uh whose thoughts i think 
need to go out there and they need to kind of butt heads with people who may be thinking differently. Because this is a great stream, I really appreciate what everybody had to say, but what I want is to be able to now bring, uh, bring other people up to speed about uh, these kind of uh, arguments and see what sticks, see what doesn't stick, and the reason why it's not gonna stick. I really just want to, kind of like we're talking about the gardens here, I want to get to the root of uh, what the uh, w what the contentions are with people who would be against a lot of things that you are saying and why. Cause yeah, me too, man. Yeah. I, I'd love to. I'd love to talk to people who are against the things that I'm saying. But yeah. Well, we're definitely uh, gonna set something up, and uh, this is a good time. Um, we got a lot of people watching this, even though it started at 11 a.m. One of our earliest BTRs of all time. So mm. this is why I think this is great. I mean, it's great for me. I love waking up early in the morning, uh, you know, <laughs> Jocko Willing style. Jocko uh, Willing style. Yes, and going about my day, and uh, yeah, guys. What we're going to do right now is we are going to transition, uh, transition, we're going to transition into our next stream that starts at five o'clock once this stream is over with. And I do want to go for like final words of wisdom from everybody here. But uh, once this transitions into the other stream, you're going to see it pop up. That's going to start at five o'clock. I'm going to try to get something to eat, get a workout in in between. And uh, I know, Alex, you're going to have to uh, go into dreamland. Uh, Indian, if you're going to be around, I would love to have you one uh, we're gonna what, have what what time uh, okay so it starts at five o'clock and it's going to be a uh, reverse debate argue my position yeah, you come in later because we could have yeah we have yeah. like the first hour is the reverse debate and then i'll i'll, I'll see if i can come in later same right. same, same bat time same bat channel uh, zoom link is the same one or a different, different uh one? it's probably going to be a different zoom link i'm probably going to close this guy out and uh, make a new one because i find like if zoom links are on the screen for a while then they just fade out and like I don't want to keep clicking on the same thing, so I'll send a new one. So yeah, that is pretty much it. People are already waiting, and if, let if me post I, the. If I don't drop in, don't get angry at me. I will not I get know. angry at you. This it is, was. It is Thursday in Miami, so. Yes. Oh, you live in. Yeah, you were talking about, by the way, how Miami's like New York, and everybody should move to Miami now. Who's from it's, New York? It's it's far superior to New York. Um, it is. Uh, no, this is a, this is a great city. I highly encourage coming down. It's kind of wet though. It's kind of you know humid. Do you Wouldn't have the be... Do you have like the sunglasses and the pink leisure suit and everything? <laughs> like the... I do. I do. I do. I do have aviators. <laughs> I, I I have been. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm guilty. Guilty. Guilty as charged. I do not have a pink leisure suit, but uh, yeah, you know. Leisure I get the, safa the safaris and then the pink leisure. Suit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Alex, as far as uh, your adventures would you ever consider coming uh to uh america again and would you come here to new york and do like a live uh, btr thing i'd i'd love to come to america for the first time i've, I've never been i've been i've been to the dominican republic that's about as close as <laughs> I've, I've come to your 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 glorious continent but i am i'm there in spirit every day so yeah, Excellent. yeah I'd, I'd love to Excellent. And same thing goes for you and Dean Bronson. If you ever want to uh, come by to a live BTR event, now that the summer's coming, I'm going to try to uh, work something out. I know you like Miami more. Oh, who knows? Well, Maybe I'll go to Miami. It's going to be a white boy summer, so we're going to yes. see... Uh, Hashtag white boy now. summer. Exactly. So, last words of wisdom before we go. Uh, let's go uh, Indian, Geo, and then Alex. Uh, you're the guest of honor, so you're going to finish us off. And let's go to Indian Bronson first. Words of wisdom. Uh, Words of wisdom. Yeah, I, I guess my position is uh, family is pretty much the most important thing that a person can have. And uh, 
we should we should try and reorient society around uh, people being able to have that sounds good and guys follow indian bronson on twitter against why are you called against gop by the oh. way <laughs> yeah this is uh this is this is because uh so i i get suspended a lot and uh you know i i noticed at some point someone was saying wow this indian bronson guy he really keeps shilling voting for the gop which is uh no <laughs> it is uh, precisely the opposite so uh so i, I you know I, I made uh i made the twitter handle that when i came back there we go geo words of wisdom for our wonderful viewers um i don't know really uh <laughs> Don't don't trust my advice when it comes to relationships, for obviously. Um, but no, I guess um, it's going to be a really tough time that we're going to get involved in. And I think that in some ways, uh, the dynamics that are being promoted and are being enforced by whatever social discourse is going on, um, they can be really blackpilling. But I guess the only way out is sort of through. And if we, if, if you're someone of any conscience, it may be advantageous to enter a period of uh, a hermitage period of self growth and to create a garden of the self. And maybe as, as hard as is it to digest, there could be sort of the only option for a lot of people is to, drop out in the sense that you aren't uh being extorted by the dynamics around you and i don't know it's really uh it's it's really uh, tough and trying but i uh yeah i don't know it's it's really a lot to think about this whole this whole yeah ride the tiger exactly that's i guess the only way to put a capstone in that would be to ride the tiger however way well, you can. well now i'm thinking about the tony the tiger that uh yeah. remember i showed you earlier but anyway uh that was on my stream was speaking of which yes got... like the the tony the tiger mascot has become more furry over the the centuries yes, or whatever. yes 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 <laughs> so so here's what you do guys by the way subscribe to the left stream before i go to alex i just want to quickly shill my own youtube channel which i am doing at the same time as btr this is at youtube.com slash left go there watch my animations and watch my live stream i'm going to do a drawing live stream this monday at uh, 1 p.m and i'm then going to do a pokemon live stream at uh like a 6 p.m. on the same day because it's Monday. That's Pokemon Day. I'm playing the original Pokemon Red. I invite everybody here to join me. It doesn't matter if you like Pokemon, don't know what Pokemon is, don't care for it. Doesn't matter. It's not about the Pokemon. It's about the friendship that's formed along the way. Anyway, also follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash levpo. Here we go. This is my Twitter. Follow it right now. And I appreciate every one of you. And one last thing before we get to Alex, Patreon dot com slash break the rules i cannot stress this enough you guys must become patrons now the uh, definitely legit magnet is almost finished i saw it today it looks really really beautiful really beautiful crest like a uh, profile view that my dad created of the exquisite lassie dog of definitely legit so hopefully definitely legit is also going to help us promote it once he sees it here you could see the rest of the uh, magnets the fine wood that it's made of uh, so guys become a patron and you're going to get for 20 for five dollars you're going to become uh, a percolator you're going to get access to hidden discord uh, uh, chats and goodies 
For $20, you are going to get one of these beautiful magnets. It recurs every year. For $30, you are going to get a beautiful print from Giovanni Panacchietti. Look at him go. This is from the TFW we No GF series. We can't see it in the chat, but you guys I know. Yes, yeah. you, you, you guys <laughs> can see it. And uh, then for $50, you are going to get all of that included, plus another painting from Gio from the Bob Ross series. You are also going to get Jules's figures. I have them over here. He painted these really beautiful uh, Warhammer 40k figures or hammer wars i like to call them and you are also <laughs> going to get a completely custom wooden magnet whatever you want we are going to create it and i'm also going to make a poll on uh, twitter i'm going to figure out how to do it i want to engage the audience in general not like custom patron stuff but in general like what kind of magnets would you like to see my dad uh uh, make and then I'm going to put them like on the poll and people will vote for them and that's another way we can generate some interesting ideas for the $20 tier magnets anyway that being said you guys know the drill become a patron today and now Alex Kashuda you are going to uh, take us off and I am going to first promote your patron uh, on Patreon so here it is <laughs> patreon.com slash AK subversive Another title could have been AK-47. I just thought of that right now. But anyway, become a patron. Once you become our patron, go here and become her patron. You are not going to regret it. Also, join her substack, alexkashuda.substack.com. Here it is. Go there, be there, or be square. I love that photo, by the way, of uh, you know the, the halo <laughs> resonating. That looks really nice. And once again, follow Alex on Twitter at Kachuda. There we go. Here it is. Take us off, Alex. Oh my God! With, with all that shilling, I feel like I need to <laughs> need to like produce some some golden nugget of wisdom yeah. here, guys. Okay, so strap yourselves in. <laughs> um, my 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 recommendation, you know, because I think we're we're all trading in kind of you know wisdom at the end of the show, uh, is if if you can, from whatever perspective you want to adopt, try stepping out of the individual frame or, or the frame of the individual, uh, and and kind of trying to try to inhabit a, a different. Um, I don't know, a level of aggregation or something, you know, this could be from, you know, an, an Eastern tradition. That's also very useful. This could be from a Western tradition. You know, you could Heidegger takes you there in some ways. Um, just try to, to, to step back a little bit from, from the, you know, the self-making self. Uh, and, and, you know, you could do this to me, to me, this, you know, family, like Indian said, is, is super important. And it's, you don't even have to make a new family. You could even go back to your old family and try to, you know, re-engage with them and then kind of have a, a better, a better relationship with them. And, um, you know, try to kind of step out of the out of the, the the trauma perspective because i think this is a very big thing in, in our culture at the moment that you know everyone's been you know highly traumatized by their family and we have yeah yeah everyone's been addicted to you when you were a kid for sure but it's time to, <laughs> to, to step up and, and kind of go back into into uh, a different frame where it's not it's not just all about you I think that's it's it's so relaxing. I mean, I'm I'm now highly pregnant. It's very obvious to me that it's not all about me. Um, you know, my my baby already has a personality, which I can I can kind of tell because he's got he's got his phases when he's kicking and he's you know nice. he's got congratulations tremendous tremendous. Congratulations. Thank you. So it's I don't know it's 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 quite interesting to see yourself as like a, a conduit to something else to be to to, to it's 
completely relaxing to step aside from yourself. So whichever way you find to do this, I think it's it's a very worthwhile exercise. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's even civilizationally beneficial to, to try to do this in some way. You know, um, I don't necessarily have prescriptions, maybe try to try to work in the garden, make a garden also helpful. Uh, but yeah, just uh, just yeah. relax your frame. <laughs> that, that would be my recommendation. That is a great recommendation. And with that, before we go, once again, everybody subscribe, follow everybody who I have here on the screen and the chat. And follow also, my I YouTube channel. Yes, follow Geo. And I completely. Oh, yeah, listen to, to the Birdie and Paul Town podcast I was just on. It was fucking bangers. And, and uh, uh, whatever and I said on it, I'm not responsible for it, so don't worry about it. And the uh, <laughs> final thing, join our Discord server if you have not done so already. Here is the link to the Discord. It is very important that you join a Discord server because we are constantly growing. Here you can see the nice animated icon, and we need your help to grow. And lastly, like I talked about before, you guys have to go to argue my position you're going to see the link right after the stream ends but here is the link anyway so go in here get ready set a reminder this is happening at uh five o'clock today and i'm very excited about this and again everybody thank you so much for being here subscribe subscribe and subscribe and help us grow also you can find us well you can also find us before yes god bless of course you can also find us by the way at at a podcast at apple podcasts we have an audio version of this uh, stream, which patrons, I forgot to mention, patrons also get it uh, before everybody else. So here is the Apple podcast, Break the Rules. You can see the latest episodes there. We also have a Spotify as well. So guys, follow us on Spotify, or you can follow us at breaktherules.captivate.fm. If you go there, you can uh, get the RSS feed and just put this thing into your favorite podcast listening uh, device of your choice, uh, a podcast receiver or app. Anyway, guys, that is it. That is the end. Keep subscribing. Keep making us stronger. We are also on DLive. We are also on BitChute. You can find us everywhere. So take care. Bye-bye.